Warning, this podcast contains scenes of explicit nonsense and lore. Previously on the Risen Evil Podcast. Either you run out of superlatives, but th- there are moments in this game where they have aced what they were trying to go for. When you get when past you... the hedge maze into the sort of the more posh parts where Nick would live, you know, it's really, <laughs> really quite exquisite. We're probably going to have the giant statue just wandering around the castle firing laser beams out, out of it. <laughs> and it sounds like that's what we're getting in terms of just one-dimensional, action-orientated, you know, Captain America characters. But the fact that you've had what we would consider to be a Dark Souls experience or a Resident Evil game, to me, is absolutely wonderful. And welcome to episode 86.5 of the Resident Evil podcast. More devoted to the cause than Sadler is to some bugs in the rock, whilst also apologising profusely on behalf of our Spanish listening contingent. I'm Nick, better known as Neptune. Let's see who's joining us today. He's everyone's favourite Sancho. It's the Batman. Hello. He's flattered, but he's a one-lady type of guy. It's Star's Tyrant. Hello. He's been told off by his mother as he was swinging from the chandeliers. It's Rombie. Hello. And finally, he doesn't think too hard, but he's handsome. It's George Trevor. Hello. Coming up on today's podcast, we are continuing our coverage of Resident Evil 4 Remake, but this time our listeners, that's you guys, you are in charge. We put the call out for your reviews and you have not disappointed. In fact, we have a shed load of call-in, so much so that uh, just as an advance warning to everyone who has called in, we have we are planning on getting through everyone's, but our commentary of your call-ins is going to be a little bit more limited than uh, perhaps um, we would have liked, but we just want to get as many opinions in as possible, so um, you know th- there's that broad spectrum of, of, of comments, so uh, please bear with us. But we will be catching up on the news that we missed from the last podcast, and of course finishing with uh, another edition of Neptune's Biohazard Quiz. So let's start with the news first bit of news sales figures oh yes yes resident evil 4 sales figures are already out and unsurprisingly it is doing incredibly well uh, very well, in fact. Uh, four million units have already been sold uh, since its day of release. This is bringing in the ka for Capcom. This is sales, this is actual figures not shipped, or or is it sale? Um, actual... uh, it, it, the first announcement was three million. It was a little bit hard to tell. It might have been a bit coloured. It could have been shipped because of what was expected. The fact they updated them very quickly, though, however, probably tells you that they've had orders through post-release. Otherwise, they would have just shipped four to begin with. So, probably a good sign. It's it's interesting to see where it'll track in the long run, but considering everyone seems to be enjoying it um, and the reviews have been so solid, I think it'll be a, a long, it'll have a long sales tail like most of the other titles that 
have taken off at this level. Alex, as always, was posting some stats about where it was and you compare it to when they tried to ship, what was it, like 6 million copies for Resident Evil 6 or whatever it was, and it floundered, whereas this is probably going to track like all the others have shipped, and it's as of all the more recent games and remakes, it is the most that is sold in the shortest amount of time. Also bodes exceptionally well. It does indeed, it does indeed. just shows that they've still got the, the Midas touch when it comes to particular <laughs> particular games. goes back to our old conversation pre release in the preview what does this mean um Capcom be looking at the numbers and going remakes when they're done well compared to say i don't know remake of three there'd be an interesting conversations going on in capcom's management and then later on in the development offices what they're going to do next big bit of Resident Evil 4 news, of course, is the Mercenaries DLC is now available to download free of charge. Albeit there are some microtransactions if you want. Um, I will stress to people, if you want. They are not compulsory people. They are um, assist, you know, aids to your progress, but um, they, I think you can unlock absolutely everything. It's literally, and this is the difference as well, I think it's worth pointing out, it's, the, it's not anything you can't get in the game through effort it's just a shortcut to it which is those which is their exclusive upgrade tickets they come in packs and it's so that you can get all the exclusive upgrades and you can't buy any more than there are maximum exclusive upgrades i think that's quite an important distinction here you there will be the fact that this is not additional content that's only exclusively available through a microtransaction you're just getting it earlier but it's still available if you don't actually wish to you know spend the money exactly if you actually wanted to be legitimately upset you would be more upset by some of the dlc content and we've talked about this before like the soundtrack swap and in this case the exclusive dlc treasures that you can only get if you have the dlc which obviously makes getting money and upgrades a lot faster there is an argument to be made about the fact that these the ability to buy the exclusive tickets have come in after the game's released, after all the reviews have been published. Mm, two weeks or three weeks um, ago, yeah. As much as I don't mind it because you're not gaining any sort of net value in terms of um, multiplayer benefits or anything like that, it's not it's not a pay-to-win in a one sense, but it does make, potentially, your professional S-plus run very easy, or easier, let's say, because any exclusive ticket you buy off the store will be available right at the beginning of the game. So mm-hmm. as soon as you get to that first merchant... You won't need to have saved up 30 spinals, for example, to unlock infinite ammo for the sweet, the Chicago Sweeper, the Tommy Gun, or the Hand Cannon. You will have it straight away with your exclusive ticket, and that will make quite a big difference to your S-plus run if you're trying to go for it on professional, because otherwise you've got to save up 30 spinals to get the one that the merchant can trade you, and then you use that ticket to gain infinite ammo to make that run easier the problem is i don't think you can get 30 spinals to my knowledge until the castle which means you've basically got a professional mode village to get through with no enhanced new game plus items or anything like that the spinals thing changes if you've got dlc treasure map but only fractionally because i think there's only a couple of extras that you can get before all right more frequent later but it is about the same you basically can only get to the the siege the the cabin siege basically and then once you get to the castle there's pretty much everything you can get because i think once you get to collecting the blue medallions outside the castle it's probably going to give you enough so so there is an argument that I've seen some people make, and they're not potentially not wrong, that, okay, yeah, you don't get any net value in terms of any sort of multiplayer boosts, but there you could see inflated difficulty 
that can be mitigated through buying things off a store. The other thing I want to say to counter this, and not because you're saying it, Sean, but just in general, is that the mercenaries has made access to some of the weapons that you would only get through other means, i.e. like the hand cannon, yeah. easier. And yeah, exactly. And also that this is not new for these games. People seem to be reacting as if this is new. No, people just don't pay attention. You could pay to unlock all the bonus items previously in a different form, which was literally, it basically gave it to you. So for Village, for Remake, uh, for both the remakes, there are paid DLC where you can just purchase everything outright. Yes, and it's like two ninety nine, I think, isn't it? And it literally mm. awards every hard mode unlockable and everything like that, doesn't it? All your all your weapons and everything. Yeah, and they could still add this to this game down the track because they didn't add those at release either for those games. They came out quite a little while after the fact. Has anyone had a uh, playthrough of Mercenaries? Yeah, I've unlocked the hand cannon through it. Um, have, have you found it? Um, I think it's an excellent game mode because it, it takes everything that is great about the combat system and just wraps it around a very short, very fun-to-play minigame. If you've played Mercenaries before, not Village's Mercenaries, as in the classic ones like RE4 and 5 and 6, then you pretty much know what you're getting. And the gameplay loop, as we said in the review episode, is ridiculously fun in this game. So having that for just short 5-10 minute sessions is is a joy. And if you're going for the hand cannon, all you need to do is get an S rank on each of the three maps that are available. And if you use Hunk, you've basically unlocked it from the moment it starts. He is ridiculously overpowered. Nick snapping the every enemy possible. It's ridiculous. And his mayhem mode, because each character gets what's called a mayhem mode. Whenever you rack up combos, you fill a bar at the bottom of the screen, and, he, and then you unlock an ability for a short amount of time, and Hunk gets infinite ammo for the for the duration of that bar counting down and that will be more than enough to take out all like the mini bosses and everything like that when they appear so as long as you save your mayhem bar because you can activate it whenever you want once it's full just wait for like the mini bosses to spawn fire up your mayhem mode win it's a win hung hung is ridiculous and as it should be why, why shouldn't he be Biggest bit of news that happened in the last few weeks, the trailer for Resident Evil Death Island. Oh, yes, the team are back together again, setting the internet ablaze. Jill is not only in this movie, but she is in this movie. (laughs) (laughs) If you know, I mean, she's front and centre. We're focusing on Jill. And the internet just broke, really, quite frankly. The Resident Evil community were like, yes, Jill, she's back, and she's getting a lot of focus. <laughs> if only Mr. Spence was it. I'm still quite excited about Death Island, because it's got sharks in it. But um, it, it's certainly looking a bit more vendettary <laughs> than um, mm. uh, as more, more mm. trailers come out. The thing is, the thing is, if this was a video game, and don't get me wrong, when those first images leaked of like the core cast together for the first time, I actually did have an emotional response. I was like, oh my god, this shouldn't have taken this long to happen. You start to, you know, formulate all your feelings and thoughts about these characters interacting on screen for the first time, and there's, you know, a lot of combinations that we're going, we are going to see for the first time. You know, even just. But even just seeing like Chris and Claire on screen again is is a big one for me. And then by the end of the trailer, they're all sort of somersaulting and pirouetting over a tentacle or fin or whatever it is. I don't know. And I just, I feel sad. This is not the context of which I want to see all these characters. And so I just hope that for someone like me, the scenes and sequences of them interacting and just, you know, engaging with each other 
are as rewarding as I find the encounters in Resident Evil 6 because that's very sort of similar in that you've got this outlandish nonsense over the top overblown story but when it was stripped down to the quieter moments between characters I felt that Resident Evil 6 really excels so I I, I hope Death Island is the same I have no doubt that the action is going to be ridiculous and Leon will still probably be killing SUVs full of families before the day is done. But I just hope it's the quieter moments. I mean, the the trailer looks like it's going to explore a lot of Jill's post-RE5 PTSD, which is interesting. But I, I hope they don't just throw it away as quickly as they did in Remake 3. Because Remake 3 looked like it was going to really explore Jill as a character. And by the time the nemesis bursts through the first wall, she's super cop again. You know, the whole angle of her potentially contemplating suicide and that is never explored again. So we'll see. Batman, Claire Redfield, Prison Island, Zombie Outbreak, please. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> How are you going there, yeah. Three, the, the, the third encounter. <laughs> the third time Claire has been in the same environment. Mm, how original. And a, <laughs> a villain that was involved in Raccoon City and probably wants revenge on Umbrella. <laughs> exactly. Although, one of the one of the I mean, I agree with what Sean said. It's the it's this quieter character moments I'm looking forward to. I do hope they'll explore Jill a lot in this film. I like the idea that she's sort of reluctant to come back to work and and be front and centre again because she feels as though she's let everyone down. So I really hope play on that throughout the film and not just the opening five minutes. Chris and Claire back together for the first time since called Veronica. That's going to be interesting. I'll be interested to see if they're going to mention Leon and Claire's fractured relationship based on what happened at the end of Infinite Darkness. The most interesting thing to me is the fact, I think midway through the trailer, it mentions the Department of Defence was broken into and the stole classified files on all the main characters so that hints you know going back to vendetta that this villain obviously has some sort of personal connection or he wants to get revenge on on the heroes who've survived raccoon city so maybe it's not revenge against umbrella maybe it's revenge for umbrella he wants i don't know but it just looks as though from the flashbacks we see of raccoon city it looks like his unit was possibly abandoned to die and that's why he wants some sort of retribution. I just hope the villain is interesting enough and formidable enough to really go against these five invincible heroes because I'm surprised it's taken Capcom so long to do an Avengers-style story where all the main heroes come together. And it just won't go down very well, in my opinion, if the villain isn't memorable enough or fearful enough. So that's my biggest concern, and... It just goes to show how fickle the Resident Evil community is because after, and I, I include ourselves in that, of course, but it's funny, isn't it, that once Remake 4 had come and everyone had finished it, all the talk was about Remake 5. No one was interested in Resident Evil 9. And now, just because we've got a new story that features all the main cast, everyone's like, Remake 4, what's that? You know, Everyone's now saying, oh, why can't Death Island be a game? We'll see, we'll see. I mean, listening to Sean and Batman, I completely agree with them. And I, and, and I was thinking of the two really emotional moments in Code Veronica when Alfred dies in Alexia's arms as she awakens and obviously more pertinent to, to this production when Chris reunites with Claire and cuts her free. And I mean, you know, Batman mentioned it and Sean, I'm sure Romby as well. And, and Lecture, we're all looking forward, you say, to the more narrative strong, the emotional moments, the quieter moments, the character driven moments. But have Capcom done enough? Have you seen enough with the previous CGI productions and um, the Netflix production that we feel it's in the hands of writers that are going to be able to deliver that, you know, and give us what that, that, that emotional pull we felt 
playing the game. You know, Code Veronica, those two those moments, particularly the you know the the Redfield reunion. I I don't know. That's what concerns me. Whether they you know it's in uh, because I starting from quite a high point. What was the very first one? Was it De- Degeneration? I yeah. liked I liked Degeneration. I really did, and I do kind of feel that it's been on a sliding scale downward since. Mm, I would agree with that. And if you're wondering about like the emotional nuance, well, I'll just remind you that Vendetta decided to depict a bombing of a wedding as a Looney Tunes puff of smoke in the distance, as Rob yeah. like to point out. <laughs> yeah, I do think the interest in this would be very much more muted if it weren't for the fact we've we've got all these characters coming together for the first time. Well, I don't want to be on a downer. Just I'll quickly add, you know, that, that it's, it's a concern. At the same time, I think I've come to accept that, particularly with these productions, we get that kind of, you know, that, that Japanese style, you know, action, maybe over a more kind of nuanced narrative. But we'll see. Just, yeah, I, I'll enjoy seeing all the characters together on, one, on, on the big screen. And the bonus will come if we do get maybe that slightly deeper drama. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to be, you know, this is a dream come true for a lot of people who've been around, you know, the yeah. series for any duration of time. You know, these are these are some of these combinations and interactions and whatnot, you know, are going to be very memorable, which makes it all the more preposterous that we've got another voice actor change with Leon again. <laughs> just, oh. just as we've got all got attuned to Nick playing leon uh, matt mercer from re6 uh, damnation and vendetta is back again <laughs> which is not a problem matt's a great leon he plays a, a superb leon but it just seems such a shame that yet another change to a voice actor mm-hmm. and um, nicole looks to be playing jill uh, stephanie's back as claire and kevin dorman is playing chris again who has played the role previously in vendetta and uh, umbrella chronicles so there is continuity within all the characters from previous entries but you know i just feel it's like not the right order. High at the minute yeah, everything is canon, Sean, including the voice actors. <laughs> so it just fits where they are in the timeline. Next bit of news, big news, big news. Uh, a new trailer for George A. Romero's Resident Evil documentary has dropped. Uh, this too went very, uh, very, went down very well in the community. Yeah, blow your own trumpet, Nick. I do recall a familiar voice running all the way through it. <laughs> yes, yeah, I, I wasn't, I uh, wasn't expecting, wasn't expecting that. But yes, yours truly does uh, make an audio cameo in the trailer, which was uh, extremely flattering. But more importantly, don't worry about that. Most important thing is um, what the creator Brandon Salisbury is looking to do with this. And I think do this trailer in you know this sneak peek really gives a good impression of the tone and the you know the the overall atmosphere he's going for in presenting this story um, about you know what could have been just want to say as well like nick wasn't the only sly one because although rob's made us all aware privately that he's involved with the project on quite a hands-on level he's got a, he's only got a, he's only got himself a full writing credit rob co-writing <laughs> <laughs> co-writing Rob, how 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 did you as as a co-writer? How how did you see the uh, the trailer come out and the reactions that, that poured in? The thing that was a bit uncanny for me is that it was part of the like script writing process. We were I was pitching bits for like what would become B-roll, and some of those are pretty much as the shots in that trailer, and then others obviously they've come up with on location and and expanded. And, and our brand has said that these they've shot 
you know hours of b-roll to go around the rest of the documentary and there's you know they've got an actress playing jill and coming across like documents and files and it, it's all very crazy to think that as we discussed in the podcast on it that this all kind of started as a what was going to be a short youtube video mm. and kind of has continued to spiral outwards well i think i speak on behalf of everyone we're all getting very excited about the final product i mean obviously we had brandon on the podcast episode 80 if you want to check that out, and he passionately tells us what you know, what he's trying to bring to this project and why he's doing it, as Rob says, this teaser just a com- you know just complements it so well, and, and, and you know that kind of combination of literally literal information and now this visual presentation. Yeah, it's this is going to be something special. Um, I think we're looking at he's hoping tw- is it twenty twenty four now. Yeah, with it, with any luck, it'll be next year. Next year, yes, yeah. I'm just as excited as all you guys are to see the end result because, as much as I've got writing involved, the interviews, I know where some of the interviews are going to go, but I know that there's going to be some interviews where people are going to say or things are going to be talked about that we couldn't script for because that's just the nature of these documentaries. When you're when you're putting them together, you kind of have you get enough research and understanding for the narrative, but there'll still be some things that will probably come out of the woodwork that even we haven't heard yet and i know there's still some interviews to still be made they'll still be filmed and recorded and so yeah i'll, I'll be just as keen to see the end result as as you all are and we'll try and get brandon back on with the uh when, when it comes out as well i think that's the the general hope and plan for that one revel in what hopefully is going to be an amazing project Final bit of news, Infinite Darkness news. Oh, yes, it it doesn't go away. Uh, Issue two of the beginning manga is due out physically on the 19th of April. I know Batman is eager. I know he is. I know. He's getting ready to go down to the comic book shop. but there we go. So after what was a a slow build-up in issue one, issue two, hopefully he's going to ramp up the action a little bit more. Uh, The trade paperback is still scheduled for September. uh, The artwork's good. The artworks, yeah, it does look yeah, pretty good. Yeah, I've got good. issue one, and I was very impressed with the artwork. Not How did you like the story, George? I'm waiting for issue two, and I think it's a four-issue um, run, isn't it? Uh, and I'm going to read it all at, all, all at once, let's just say. I'm putting it off. That's why I prefer trade paperbacks. I have to blitz it through, because, you know, the author's intent, if you like, is to read it. I don't know. I, I just, I, I'm, I, I do a lot of comics and trade paperbacks let's just say it was more for the collection rather than my passion for the the story that is vendetta infinite darkness infinite darkness Darkness. it's it's, it's that forgettable (laughs) that's it for news Um, site news firstly we just want to welcome our new patron uh, capcom killer there you go thank you very much for joining our patron if anyone is interested you can go onto our website click on the community tab and you should find a link uh, and to to find out what benefits you get that does conclude all the news we now turn our attention we hand the reins over to our community our listeners who have been brilliant in sending us their recordings and their comments and reviews of resident evil 4 remake Bruce, this is Gondor One. Hunnigan here. What's your sit rep? The president's daughter, Baby Eagle. It's likely she's in this village. Our intel was correct then. Well done. Need a location on a nearby lake. She may have been taken there. Copy that. I'll see what I can find. Hurry up. Something's happened to the people here. My escorts are... Gotta go. Talk later.
So just as a reminder, as the introduction to the podcast, we're going to be quite hasty through your callings, just so we can try and get everyone in. The, as I said, the response has been really fantastic, so we want to listen to everyone uh, as much as we can. So uh, the first calling comes in from Harbear. So let's roll the tape. Hey guys, Harbear here. I wanted to call in and just provide some of my thoughts about the RE4 remake now that I've gotten three full playthroughs done of the game and I am currently on my fourth playthrough in professional mode. You know, I was going to try to divide this up into things I loved and things that I maybe didn't like, but honestly I loved everything about this game. I think Capcom did a fantastic job with changing things up just enough to keep us seasoned RE4 veterans on our toes while also keeping the familiar things around so that we knew we were still playing the same game. I, I think they did a really nice job with that balance, I think, especially with like level design. There's a lot of areas that are pulled right from the first game and just updated or you know given a new coat of paint, so to speak. But they changed some of the layouts a little bit, added some new things, made some adjustments to, to the flow of the levels, and I think it all just really worked. I, I loved my time in all three sections of the game. Um, you know, the village, the castle, and even the island, which I, I didn't dislike the island in the first game, but it was definitely not my favorite part. I kind of would rush through it just so I could get back to the village and play that again. So great job on them for balancing those out really well. I thought the enemy design was great. The villagers feel dangerous. Uh, I loved the changes to the Plagas, and I loved the way that they reacted to things. Uh, it keeps, keeps you on your toes. The ability to move and shoot at the same time allowed combat to feel a little more dynamic, but also those enemies, the way that they moved, still kept things dangerous. Uh, I love the changes to the characters. You know, Salazar feeling a little bit more demented and, and different. Uh, Luis getting a greater role, and Ashley's changes to be a bit more of a capable second person running around were, were great. So I love that. I love the new notes and lore that were peppered throughout the world. Um, I'll be really curious to hear your guys' thoughts on how, if at all, the lore is changed or affected by those notes. But I thought that they were really nice and, and added some great flavor to the game and in areas where it wasn't previously provided. The only thing I could think of that I would have loved to see and loved to encounter that was taken out, I would have loved to see what Capcom did with the U3 boss fight. Not because I particularly love that boss fight in the original, but just because Capcom knocked it out of the park with every other aspect of this remake and made changes that just made sense and enhanced the game in so many different ways that I would have loved to see what they could have done with that that U3 boss fight and where it would have gone had they kept it in. So just very briefly, like, loved everything about this game. Looking forward to hearing the podcast and hearing your guys' thoughts. Would love to end this with a question. Now that we've gotten 2, 3, and 4 remake, do you guys think it makes more sense to remake 5 and just kind of keep that train rolling? Or personally, I think at some point they're going to have to almost remake the remake of one so that they have that original story to go off of. You know, we've gotten all these different sequels to the original game, but I'm sure gamers who maybe didn't encounter the first game or haven't ever played the remake will want to go back and see what all the fuss is about, and, and I'm sure that they're probably thinking about maybe remaking it in the RE engine. Thoughts on that? I'm still crossing my fingers for a Code Veronica remake, but trying to be a little bit more realistic about it. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Well, thank you very much, Harbour. A man of my own taste in terms of like much preferring the new island setting. I think, but mm. yes, he en ends on a pertinent <laughs> question. <laughs> uh, who shall I ask? Uh, Sean. <laughs> Look, as I've reminded everybody, I waved my remake white flag two or three episodes ago now. I think the questions are inevitable, particularly with the game being very successful. The problem is, is, is a lack of context. And Resident Evil 4, as an experience, is quite self-contained. And because you only had remake of two, literally four years ago, it already was able to springboard with the character of Leon into this. This one. The thing about Resident Evil 5 is you're establishing characters and things like that that we've not yet seen in remake verse. 
because I don't class the original remake of mm. one as part of this current era. It's a separate title altogether. And so what you've got there is, it, by jumping straight into the RE5 storyline, as Harbert has just suggested, you are going to have a Wesker and Chris conflict that hasn't been established in-universe yet in the RE Engine remakes. And so to do that, you're probably going to need to go back again. And so you're going to need to establish it first and foremost with RE1, and then probably going to need to do the follow-up with Code Veronica. Mm-hmm. So, with that in mind, with his question of RE1, I think it's almost a dead cert that that one will be next. An RE engine reimagining of the first game for the 30th anniversary, I think, is probably a lock. And then you've got all those first four games all nicely unified under the RE engine, and then if Code Veronica comes along, then you're going to get five. Because then every all the groundwork, the foundation for that conflict that you'll see in 5 is established. Going straight into it now would be bizarre. Because if you're talking about people that have just literally come on board to the, the series since RE2, 3 and all that, they're going to have no idea what's going on. And you can do recap pages and videos as much as you like, but... These games are trying to go for a sort of more self-contained approach. But RE5 is a different animal because it came after years and years of build-up and backbone of conflicts. It was like a culmination of the original storyline all coming together and wrapping up. And without yeah, without the com- without the context, I don't know whether a remake of 5 would work in the if it's kept to the same capacity. I feel this is going to be a question that comes up in the, uh, often in the next in the next couple of years, and uh, I can assure you it comes up again in our call-in, so um, there'll be more more opportunities to discuss. Um, you three separate ways, pencil that in. So, yeah. uh, I mean, as Harvey has said, if everything else has been whittled and carved back to its thing, maybe it's just one of those cases where they went. It's one of those things that just needs to be whittled back and removed. I'm not saying that it won't turn up in DLC, but. Yeah, it might just have been like it just was a little bit too outlandish, much like the big giant walking statue falling over a bridge. Uh, so let's modify and remove it in this case. Do we all feel that? I mean, that was very well said, and it seems to make a lot of sense what Star said. But I, I don't, I don't know. I, I would only slightly question: is the weight behind you? Do we all really feel that it would, it would be that jarring? Do they really need to establish that timeline of the? Um, you know the uh, the conflict between Chris and Wesker. Uh, you know, or can we not just simply jump into you know this this uh, RE engine going into a, a remake of Resident Evil Five? I, I just I just can't see them going and treading over that hallowed ground of, of 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 remake. And you know, people that played the remake of Two, obviously there was a lot of background narrative that they from the original games that they had to take on board. Uh, do you not feel that it's still it's sufficiently well known that conflict and so iconic that would they would they need that kind of that background you know going back retrospective with you know with the remake of of um, the original one and uh, and then you know Code Veronica in order to lay down that I think so because Wesker is such an iconic character it wouldn't make sense for me to bring him back in remake four to then get rid of him in the very next game remake one Code Veronica is a direct sequel to that and then five. I think Sean's right. I think that'll be the template, the next trilogy of remakes. But interspersed with that, we'll obviously get Resident Evil 9 and and 10 as well. I just think for the 30th anniversary of the series, going back and doing something with the original game would resonate far more with people than 
a remake of five would at this stage. What they would do with it, I don't know, but I think because it's a remake of a remake, I can see them making it radically different. I can see the mansion getting a complete redesign, a bit like the castle has in four with remixed recognisable areas. And I think the fate, the fate of Bravo team could be different. I think Resident Evil Zero will be quietly forgotten about and you'll just get files in the mansion uh, relating to Marcus and his conflict with Umbrella. I think the whole leech thing will be forgotten about as well. Okay, the next call-in comes in from Snurferous, so let's play the tape. Hey guys, longtime fan of the podcast and game Snurferous here to share my experience with the remake 4. With the release of 7 and 8, I thought, hey, this is a pretty good immersive game and it even kind of ties into the Resident Evil lore. Remake 2 was an incredible surprise that overall made my jaw drop, but still fell flat in some areas, and Remake 3 was cool, but entirely mishandled. This new edition of Resident Evil 4 left me speechless with the amount of love and care that clearly went into its crafting. I thought the demo was neat and saw the potential, but would have never expected Capcom to faithfully recreate 90% of the original while tuning up old mechanics and adding new ones. Exploring the village for the first time again was unreal, from the beautiful mountains in the distance to having to walk through the majority of the game because I was scared of what lay waiting around every turn, and I've played through the original a hundred times. When the original came out, I was too young to have any perspective on the series' departure from its roots. All I knew was that it was fun. And I don't have any meaningful criticism of this game. Instead, I want to list a few of the moments that showed me this was something special. On my first visit to the shooting range, when I realized the backing track was a remix of the OG intro song that steps up in intensity as you progress, that is attention to detail and made me feel like a kid again. Visiting the merchant in my first playthrough was exciting every time. The new additions all felt expansive and added so much to think strategically about. Fighting Verdugo felt like a one-to-one remake, but then I thought, wow, they really got this perfect the first time. This remake made me appreciate the original even more, and that alone feels like a massive accomplishment. When the first Krauser knife fight started, I couldn't believe how far games have come. The lighting is perfect, and getting to actually play this iconic cutscene felt like experiencing something in high definition for the first time. The fog effects on the floor of the castle were just really cool and atmospheric. I mean, yeah, show-stoppingly cool. Several times I thought I was in a new area, but realized I actually knew it because the layout was flipped around or put in a different area. Who among us played this and didn't go, oh shit? Waterhall. My first playthrough took me almost 24 hours and had me captivated for every minute of it. Since release, I've logged 75 hours in the game and 100%ed it. Capcom did something extremely special here, and I truly hope they continue to bring this level of commitment to the next release. Whether it's Resident Evil 9 or another remake, I can only hope for an experience this gratifying again. Yeah, so a really positive review there from Snurf for a couple of points. Uh, to open the panel. Young enough, put, makes us feel old, but young enough not to have noticed the departure. So obviously remake uh, the original RE4, you know, that the, the nostalgia goggles weren't on for perhaps the original trilogy, which I wondered if people thought that that would play a role with the remake. But as I said, there looks to be a, a general positivity uh, about the, the direction the series took. And also um, something that's come up in our Discord as well, talking about the shooting range gallery music. <laughs> I know we used it in the, in the last podcast, but yeah, uh, the shooting range uh, has gone down quite well with the fans as well. It's a banger, Nick. It's, it's a, a banger. banger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's a phenomenal piece of music. Yeah, I mean, he, he also raises an interesting point about how the game in many ways doesn't feel like a replacement. And we said this a little bit last episode. Now, because you can get both at the same time, you know, they're both available on the same consoles now. It feels more of a counterpart than a replacement. And the fact that he sort of said it made him appreciate aspects of the original more can sort of proudly sort of stand side by side. And that's what I like about this one as opposed to the other two remakes we've had recently. 
I think he's also spot on when he talks about the respect Capcom had for the original game when in their approach to remaking this. And part mm. of me wonders, you know, they've they've obviously learned lessons from the remake of Resident Evil 3. I think Capcom underestimated just a little bit just how much the fans liked Resident Evil 3 and 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 how much we want it to be. Yes, we need it to be different, but we want it to be familiar as well. And I think, you know, they got the balance exactly right with this game. It's just a shame. You know, a remake 2, as good as it is, the second half deviates a bit from the original, a little bit too much in my opinion. And Resident Evil 3, with all its cut content, you know, that's been documented enough. It's just a shame those two titles didn't get the same amount of respect as this one, in my opinion. What about the uh, the nostalgic comment that he made? I thought that was, as I said, as I, apart from aging me uh, enormously, do you think that's had an impact at all? Just for uh, perhaps more, not not necessary for fans that you know love RE4, but perhaps more so our generation. Do you think we there's? I know we've all enjoyed the game, but I can't underestimate the impact RE4 had to a lot of you know. I don't say purist because that's that's very elitist. But you know ha- how survival horror was pre RE4. I don't know if there's been that. No, uh, I, 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 th- I, I want just want to say gaming, not just survival horror, because we know the impact sure. goes beyond that. So it's it's kind of a tough question to answer. It's it's not if you've got no context. Look, the perfect example is that they were like, I didn't appreciate the the, the difference of the the franchise at the time because there wasn't there they weren't aware of it it's kind of hard to even have that sort of context because for the people who were it was a huge difference but then it's split between those who loved the original and then ended up loving four anyway and those who loved the originals and then didn't or thought four was okay or didn't like it you know and think this franchise has continued to shape and evolve itself based on what the production team wants to do where gaming is going i think that's for me one of the biggest things about these remakes that perhaps is a bit of a cheat and also a bit of a loss is that it's less trailblazing to have so many remakes really in the sense that you're just rehashing old ground and sure you're reinventing parts of it and so forth but and so there is some sort of level of creativity there but there isn't like new games that are going to be groundbreaking because you're just redoing old ones thank you snurferous our next call in comes in from malakoda so let's roll the tape hey guys malakoda re here i loved this game it was great it was really fun the map felt really interconnected all the segments felt really well to play through except maybe the lake dragged out a little long for me um in terms of actually collecting everything Besides that though, everything felt like you were in an area for the right amount of time every time you came through. I've finished this game at least five times by now, still going through it, trying to get just everything I can done and everything out of this game. It's quite an amazing playthrough. Uh, I never finished the original RE4, I know, shame on me, but the remake was by far one of the best Resident Evil games I've ever played. I'd have to give it a a 9 or a 10 out of 10, it was really fun. Uh, The Verdugos were cool as all hell, and it was just a great time. Yeah, play the game, have fun you guys. Nice short and sweet entrant there from Malakoda and raises a really good point I remember when RE4 came out it was praised heaven on earth for its pacing um it never for a lot of people anyway it never got particularly boring and uh, very much praised this remake obviously cut some bits but I, th- I thought its pacing was actually better in the remake than it was in the OG 
Yeah, I'm not... I'd agree totally. I, th- I think the original game had problems toward the end with combat fatigue. Yeah. It, it always felt like it was just one too many set pieces at the end. I, I, you know, when you've got to do that final little section where you've got to grab a key card off one of the uh, the military guys before you get to the very final section, which has been reimagined in this quite heavily. But yeah, I never I never felt combat fatigue fatigue in this one. Yeah, I felt it was pitched just right. A couple, of, uh, I think nearly all three of these call-ins so far have mentioned the sort of flow and the pace of the game as being a, a very much a positive and I, I would totally agree absolutely it's very interesting too that you know we've had multiple calls of people talking about playing it multiple times through already wanting to do it 100% wanting to play it again and again which tells you again that the longevity of it or the interest is high I don't know how that is compared to a lot of the other games you know, some people will play the multiple times straight off the bat a lot of people won't but we get more people saying oh i've already played it five times or trying to go for 100 percent well it just shows you how uh, engaging they've made the gameplay thank you very much the next call in comes from what is this so let's roll his tape resident evil 4 remake i will keep it short and sweet this is what is this from the discord the og resident evil 4 10 out of 10 all day everyone knows you can't deny it uh it's never even been in my top five I, I don't even know if it'd be my top 10 for Resident Evil games. Uh, and, and we've everyone's talked about it, you know. But the remake, I, I much prefer it over the original. Uh, I still have a few issues with it, but but it's it, it's not issues with the game. It's just my personal preference. Uh, I feel like it gets a little bogged down at times towards the end with some of the waves of enemies. But overall, I mean, Capcom knocked it out of the park. I, I really love what they did with Leon. He's still a uh, like a cocky badass, but he also has like the vulnerable, uh, rookie side to him and I, I I was always bummed out that the OG was just such a drastic change from Resident Evil 2 um, I really I really really enjoyed uh, Leon and Ashley just like bonding together working together I thought they handled that uh, wonderfully the game could have been more scary but whatever that's another personal thing I can't fault the game for it and yeah I mean Capcom once again showing why they are the best in the, in the industry I feel like they are head and shoulders above everyone else and I'm excited to see what the future has in store for us so thanks a lot you guys thank you very much interesting point I obviously didn't particularly like the OG even though I gave it 10 out of 10 <laughs> but well, not, not in his top that, 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 that's an interesting point I, but that we he took a swerve that. then didn't he it was like he did I completely agree. I completely agree, though. I completely agree. That's the legacy when you've got a juggernaut of a title like this. Is like you might not appreciate everything it does. Uh, sorry, you might not like everything it does, but you appreciate everything mm. it does and what it did. I definitely take his point about wanting it to be scarier. I made this point during our podcast. Uh, I've had two jump scares during my experience. One involved the destruction of a building. Um, when the the tower falls down, and the, the other right, wait, comes just establish the context of where you are in the story at the minute, GT, because the game still remains unfinished for you. Well, so where, 30, where are you at, roughly? I'm thirty hours in. We discussed this just before, and I think it's thirty three hours in now, and I'm up to chapter mm. fourteen. And I've just actually had my second jump scare of the game when the the area where the uh, regenerators are, and it's absolutely—I mean, my God! See, a lot of this game is very sinister and creepy, but 
you know, not necessarily jump out scary and, and, and horrifying, but I, I did run kind of around a circle a bit from a regenerator and right back into the room where the merchant is. And he just and he goes, hello, stranger. I jumped out my fucking skin. Yeah. I wasn't expecting him to be there. He talked about the relationship between Leon and Ashley, and I didn't talk about that as much as I'd wanted to in the review episode, but it really is exceptional. And I do think the exchange when Leon jumps the chandelier and Ashley chastises him is one of the most laugh out loud moments of the series the line delivery from ashley is absolutely perfect where she's like you know jumping chandeliers seriously who does that it's just amazing and he's i think he i think he throws one back saying sorry mom it's really good and that 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 goes through the entire game that is a dramatic improvement over the original it must be said yeah, the characterization as well of Leon, because I think he got a hard time and, and maybe fairly so from the original game, kind of these 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 sort of cold one-liners that just didn't come across well at all. I think there's a lot more dimension to 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 the Leon as as he's presented in the in this remake. Um and that then definitely goes to kind of help the way that he bonds with Ashley. And you're absolutely right, Stars, because in our uh, initial podcast, I think I was up to about chapter eleven or twelve, but having played a, a few more, she does come into her own Ashley, and it's actually quite good that she does start start off obviously that meek because there's character development there and i really do appreciate and enjoy the uh the relationship that you see between unfold between leon and how it develops and actually in this remake much more than the original which i think was quite almost caricature quite cartoonish in, in the way that they presented leon and ashley all right our next calling comes in from ck present so let's hear what he has to say what's going on resident evil podcast ck present here bringing you my thoughts on re4 remake so after about 4 playthroughs and 40 hours, I can safely say that I think this game is quite good. In particular, I think the offensive and defensive capabilities of your character combine really well with the ways that the enemies interact with the environment and that you interact with the environment to sort of create a very robust vocabulary, if you will, for your player. It feels like you have the most sort of agency in how you move about the the maps and the space in this game than maybe any other RE title except for RE6 where you can slide around on the ground hilariously. So that's pretty cool. I also feel like the castle sections and the island sections in particular sing a lot better in this remake than they do in the original. I feel like the castle has a geography that makes a lot more sense this time, although there are some areas that still don't, of course. And the island actually managed to be scary, apart from the regenerators, which were always scary in the original as well. I'm happy that we got rid of some of the more over-the-top action set pieces, such as the truck driving at Leon and Ashley before the castle that you have to shoot the driver, as well as the section with the truck on the island in the original game where you were just basically taxing your shotgun shells to see if you could get through it. The boss fights in this game were really, really good. I must admit that I used a rocket launcher for Sadler, as has been tradition for me every time I've played RE4 (laughs) for the last year or so. I always tend to do that, but I think that in repeat visits on my way towards the Platinum, trophy where I was fighting him more legit. It was actually a really good boss fight. The same thing can be said for Salazar, and the Mendez fight was good as well. Uh, the minecart section is one other thing I wanted to call out as being actually very truly fun. The first time I experienced it, I kind of felt like I was on a Disneyland ride, which was uh, pretty cool, if a bit strange in Resident Evil. The characters and the lore were greatly expanded in this game too. I'm excited to hear you guys get into that in a future episode. I just wanted to call out Luis's character as having a lot more to it. This go around, and also, last thing to call out before I forget, is Ashley's gameplay section. And I think that it worked extremely well. Something about the sound of those knights chasing you, or those armors chasing you down, was uh, really terrifying with the lights off and with 3D audio going on. So those are my initial thoughts on the game. Thanks for taking the call-ins. I hope you guys have a great episode and recording. 
Love the show. Keep up the great work and take care. Thank you very much. Another person who's completed it multiple times, racking up the hours. Uh, Batman, you mentioned in the last podcast about some elements missing. Uh, the truck, I think you mentioned the trucks, didn't you? I think you like the trucks. CK present, obviously pleased that they they were vacated. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I agree. They were quite silly. I, I just quite liked the uh, one on the island where Ashley's driving and Leon's on the back and you have to shoot them f- you know, when they're chasing you from behind and then you have to turn around and shoot them because they're coming from the front. It was, yeah, it's a bit of a nonsense scene, but I just thought that was that was fun. But completely agree with his points on, you know, the geography of the castle making much sense. Uh, sorry, making more sense. You know, it's 100% improved this time round. It really is a stunning location. The Ashley section, which, again, I, I thought was quite effective in the original game, to be fair. the You know, they've really enhanced it in this one. And the setting as well, the sort of darkened library setting was really creepy. And, yeah, the minecart section, again, another, you know, ludicrous section from the original, but really really well done in this. And it was, you know, it was it was short and sweet. It didn't outstay its welcome. Um, so, yeah, the, the castle, the improvements made to that was probably one of my, you know, my biggest things I was pleased with with the remake. Absolutely. It feels like a, an actual lived-in location now as opposed to just a video game level. Yeah, definitely. Like in the original. It's, it's like the equivalent of like how the original RE1 had like one bathroom and then they added lots more. Honestly, oh, no, Resident Evil 2 had just the one location. Now they've added lots more just to make it real realistic. It's like if you've taken that same concept to a village and everywhere else. Mm. I think there's one other really important point that was made there, which is about the gameplay mechanics. You know, the, the player agency and, and all that sort of stuff. This remake would live or die if the gameplay didn't feel both familiar, but also improved. And I think that's one of the most fundamental things about the remake that it does right, is that it adds new abilities and gameplay elements like you can walk and shoot which obviously you couldn't do in the og resident Evil 4 and but it still makes it feel this like the same sort of gameplay environment and that you have control and understanding of how to control enemy hordes and environmental con- you know concerns like jumping at windows ladders but now the enemies have more of that as well you know like you know the the chainsaw ganado can take out platforms to block your entrances and exits and create new dynamic places and I think also from a design point, you know, like George got a fright from a building collapsing, but that building then creates a different layout, which mm. changes the dynamic of the area. And um, it's like a continual environment modification that the game continues to do quite often, actually, um, changing paths and putting things in your way and um, modifying places you've been through. So it's, um, yeah, it's a from that perspective, from a design perspective, it's a really good remake too. I think it, it keeps you on your toes in that regard. When I was playing the uh, the minecart section, I had like a survival horror devil and a like video game angel like on each you know shoulder. Like the, 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 the survival horror devil's like jumping up and down, so grumpy. Like this is not survival horror. You know, I do not want this in the Resident Evil game. What is? And but I was having so much fun. I think the the, the point actually that a lot of the game design is so well done and it really it could have fallen flat and that minecart section was was just perfect in so many ways i can't kind of put my finger on anything specific but just there was so much about it that was both kind of quite intelligent in the gameplay you know quite demanding uh, and thereby rewarding and it was and, and yeah and that video game side of me was just having so much fun couldn't deny that I was having so much fun, and there again with the sort of the pacing and the design of this game, it didn't it didn't overstay its welcome. It's, you know, it, it's, it's interesting too because that segment is bookended on either side by a bit more 
creepy horror because you've got mm. the element of the the location with the um, the, the underground and the, 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 there's enemies you can't see and then you come out on the other side and you've got the huge nest and camouflage enemies you still can't see but it's kind of a bit more tension on either side so it's almost like it's quite balanced in that regard thank you very much our next call in comes in from regular podcast contributor Vito I wonder if he's going to like the remake let's roll the tape <laughs> Wow, what a fantastic remake this was. I'm sorry, Star Starring, but <laughs> I actually can't think of a single thing the original does better. I'm sorry. Combat, of course, is going to be better because it's a later game. But the tone? The tone actually fits the series now with it being more darker and sinister. The characters? Amazing, all of them. They're, Leon is not a clown anymore. Ashley's not a drag anymore. She actually has a little bit of character development in the game. She actually starts fearful, not sure of herself, but as the story progresses, she gains confidence, and I I actually like her now. Louis' backstory changes are amazing. Whoever thought about him about making him work on the Nemesis project really needs to have a raise because it's, it's a fantastic idea that ties the game better to the overall series. I know people are iffy about Krauser not working with Wesker anymore, but I actually think he did, but he just simply betrayed him for the power of Las Plagas, like Ada says on her original report. He simply fell to the temptation of the power of Las Plagas. I think that makes sense, and I. but I hope Separate Ways shows us this. And... Speaking about Ada, I actually liked her performance. Her scenes are mostly one-to-one to the original, but I like her. I'm very sure Separate Ways is going to improve on her. And my god, how amazing was to see Wesker again. It's been so long, and I really hope we get our original fight remake because I want to fight him again with this game's combat. It's simply very fun and enjoyable. Well, I guess this is it. Have a great day, guys. Very passionate call-in from Vito there. Uh, he loves his remakes, our oh, Vito, very much so. Yeah. And... <laughs> he calls me out, as I was expecting. <laughs> you know what? You know, I, I can talk till I'm blue in my face about the whole remake thing, but you know what, Vito? Your enthusiasm there is infectious. You know, I, I don't disagree with what you what you say. I I, I think the game is excellent. Even if I do prefer the OG, it doesn't matter. Uh, I do think that the you know the change of tone matches the kind of thing they were going for. So I think that was a, fa- a, a totally fair point to make. And yeah, absolutely. I, I'm pleased it ticks all the boxes for you. I uh, uh, I was interested in his point about Luis because I really mm. did enjoy just an ever so slight kind of reimagining of, of of his backstory. And and I just kind of I, I certainly empathised with his character a lot more and his death kind of felt a lot more impacting and a lot more loss than the original um i certainly didn't bother with the character as much and yeah that was that was good writing i enjoyed louis character in this in this remake i think that dynamic of having him more involved with the village history that you can understand more than just inferred it was a masterstroke in that regard yeah, that was really very good. The stuff with his grandfather. So I think it's only vaguely hinted in the original. I think he said he used to go. His grandfather used to take him hunting in the region. So it's nice that they've expanded on that. 
Um, him being an umbrella researcher, it's kind of an obvious move. It was either going to be him or Sadler. I think, you know, a lot of people have been saying that for a few years now, but it was quite respectfully done. It was quite cleverly done. You know, it's not caused any major retcons that some of us feared it might. And it is a nice, you know, a, a little way to tie RE4 in with the other games a little bit better without changing anything significant. The changes with Krauser, like I said in the last episode, that's the one thing I don't like. It's I can't really understand why they've done it. Yes, obviously separate ways might still reveal that he is connected to Wesker and Ada, but I, I don't really think he will be based on what we've seen so far. Again, the character of Krauser himself was fine. It's just his, the change to his backstory is the one thing I didn't like about the, the new law added to Remake 4. He's very excited about Wesker. Yeah, mm. and, and why not? It's Again, I said it was nice to see Wesker back. I've actually played it a few more times. I'm actually getting more used to his voice actor now. His voice actor's pretty good, in my opinion. He just sounds a bit too villainy. You know, I can't really imagine this voice actor using that voice to ask Chris to make him a cup of tea in the star's office. You know, it just it just sounds too evil. So interested to see. I think Wesker will be front and center in separate ways, definitely. So I'm interested, very interested to see where they go with that, actually. Because uh, overall, I've been, even though I don't like retcons, I must admit I've been really quite happy with what they've what they've done with the the law in in this game so far. Thank you, Vito. Always always a pleasure. Um, our next call in comes in from Overview. So let's uh, roll that tape. Hey guys, I hope all is well. Overview here. The original Resident Evil 4 is my favourite video game. So going into the remake, I had a lot of feelings. But man, they did that. I really loved going through the remake. I had a smile on my face the whole way through. I loved the gameplay, story, and overall besides this being a remake, it's a damn good game. In terms of a remake, I think they've paid a lot of respect to the original but also made it its own thing. I think there's many things that separate the two games. Though this remake feels like it's to the standard of the Resident Evil 1 remake, it's more in the tone that separates the two instead of content, though there are some good changes. The original was very much a fun action hero story. All the characters followed to suit that style, and the overall story wasn't to be taken seriously. The remake definitely takes a darker and more serious tone. Though because of that, I think some of the characters have lost a lot of charm, especially Sadler, Salazar and Ada. They all felt very dull in this game, which is a massive shame. But characters like Ashley and Luis have been done so much better. You really connected with these characters, where in the original I hardly cared for them. That's what the remake does so well with its new tone, is be more serious and allow the story and characters to be taken more seriously. Allowing you to get the moments of Leon telling Ashley she just has to keep pushing forward, or having that final chat with Krauser realising that Leon was right. You wouldn't be able to get those kinds of scenes with the original. But then in the remake, you wouldn't be able to get Leon questioning someone's hand coming off. So both definitely have their own unique flavours. A side note, something I think the remake does incredibly well is the smaller details. Like thinking outside the box to skip over whole set pieces. And lore things like the blue flames stunning the plaga. Which explains why the merchant has blue flames at all his shops. That stuff is pretty cool. To me, though I still will pick the original over the remake, I think Capcom have done an incredible job with the remake that it could stand side by side with the original. Both games do things better than the other. What a legacy Resident Evil 4 has. I look forward to what is next with RE4. Cheers, guys. I didn't pick up on the blue flame with the merchant. That's so clever. I didn't... <laughs> That is very clever because I don't think any of the merchants are actually infected in this game, whereas some of them in the original were. So yeah, yeah I never, I never, eyes, yeah. I never picked up on on that either. That's a really nice little point. I, I I did see some people discussing it online. That's come up on a few a few videos and 
bits and pieces. But um, yeah, they're really cool. There's, there's actually two different. Some have blue, and then there's the purpley blue. But it's overview's main point is tone, and I think that's a really important point. Um, that I know, Sean, you you mentioned quite heavily in the last podcast, just about the the pulpiness, the James Bond esque superhero storyline, whilst ridiculous had a certain charm to it um, mm. and with the with the change of tone and as overview says very balanced some good some perhaps lost some of the uh, you know the edginess and the the the, the charm as he, as he says of of the originals yeah I, mean, I, I i don't think anyone would disagree that the villains aren't quite as memorable they they fit what they were going for far better in the remake but they were so outlandish and colorful in the original that anything less than that was always going to be kind of less memorable but i know not everybody wants that from a resident evil experience and i get it you know and and you know tone pacing seems to be the, the sort of main through line through all these call-ins so far and i don't think anybody is wrong if they say they prefer the tone that the remake takes, because I think it, it can wildly appeal to both. It can be kind of a schlocky, silly, you know, super spy rescue mission, or it can be a slow, trudging, painful, infection-laden affair that the remake goes for, and both can work. And I was going to say, it goes back to what you were saying earlier about having being able to play both. You know, yeah. you have both available, so you can have either version and still enjoy them for what they are. And sometimes you might look at them both on your shelf and think, I want to play Resident Evil 4 at the moment, but I'm not quite feeling the dour, more serious one. I'm just going to go for, for pure fun and silliness and pop the original on. And then the next mm. time you do it, you might go, I had my fill of that last time. I want something a bit more grounded. I'm going to pop the remake on. And both are valid. It's great. The difficult one, because from the remakes, the one thing I wanted from them was a more grounded experience. And you definitely get that with this game. You know, I was happy that the codec conversations with Salazar and Sadler weren't there because they were just silly. But I do admit that by removing them, you know, these characters have lost something about them. So it's a difficult one. Talking of the villains and Sadler in particular, this is a unique opportunity because, George, you've not quite completed it. Now, some may criticise this, but actually, I think in this particular instance, it's going to be quite beneficial. What did you think of Sadler? Well, I'm up to, as we say, chapter 14, and so far he's played quite a almost jarring... Well, he's barely um, in it, isn't he? At this yeah, yeah. Point. And that's, that, yeah, and that's yeah, the point um, I was getting to. Obviously, mm. in the original, he's in it quite early on from the church onwards, and then as Batman just says you get lots of interactions with him, so you kind of get a bit of a build-up. He's just going to randomly appear See, towards I'm the end of the game. Yeah, and obviously, as as, as the, you know, the signature antagonist of the game, I'm really wanting to see and understand more of his motivation. You know, you get it in the files, and the I think it's at least I've I've seen these kind of two kind of like solo speeches that you get of you know of him just um, and they work very well. I kind of like those cutscenes that you get. You know, just a very dark background and just just him in the shadows. But they're quite enigmatic and kind of vague, and he uses very flowery language. And yeah, I, I like you say. I mean, I presume chapter. I think Stars mentioned to me that chapter sixty. There are sixteen chapters, but chapter sixteen is effectively the Saddler battle. So with one, with only one chapter left, like you say, he's effectively just going to turn up. And what is he going to deliver? You know, it's going to be kind of he's going to deliver his whole um, his whole spiel during the battle. And it's it's a shame. Yeah, I am enjoying like Batman says the more grounded, um, maybe less campy version retelling that we've got in this game. But I would have liked to have seen a lot more of Sadler's motivations articulated you know throughout the game uh, you know at various scenes thank you overview our next call in comes in from ronnie jones so let's see what he has to say 
Hello everyone, Neptune's two minute limit is very strict, so I best get into it. It's, it's Ronnie here. So this is my view on Remake 4. So it's a one-to-one it's a -one remake, but with the most annoying bits cut, and for the large majority, keeping the parts which made it special. Law-wise, I was a little disappointed at first, especially as I was expecting them to use the opportunity to change the direction slightly, possibly bring Umbrella back so that a new entire game could be made as a sequel or a prequel, but overall, I can't complain. They've left it alone, and you can clearly see that they really wanted to play it safe. There's nothing much more to say on the law because it is just that similar. It did expand on the RE4 in universe a little bit more, but Capcom played it seriously safe with the wider universe mentions. Louise mentions the Fallen Umbrella once, uh, but they did cut it from the beginning. There's that Umbrella Europe team picture to make it clear that they worked with each other at some point, but kept it vague. Crowds were expanded a little bit with a reference to Javier, which was very welcome. Um, and lastly, Ada slash Wesker are as you were. The gameplay, however, is second to none and is the best playing RE game ever made. And in my, my opinion, it is so good gameplay-wise, I don't think I'd play the original anymore because I'm not missing out on anything that isn't just better in the remake. I have no doubt that this will bring in new fans to the franchise purely from the fun factor, just like the original did, probably get Game of the Year. It is unbelievably slick, tense and seriously hard in a good way if you want to get all the trophies by playing hardcore and professional. Resident Evil as a franchise lives on, and as long as it does, everyone will eventually get what they want. This isn't the game I wanted, but it doesn't mean I'm not glad I experienced it. The feeling I was ultimately left with is that this is the original with a new coat of paint. But when will we finally see a brand new third-person RE engine game? It doesn't have to be a sequel, can easily be a prequel, and this is why I think some small lore changes could have come in handy. They could have chosen not to kill off Umbrella entirely in Remake 4 to pave way for a new game between Remake 2 and 3 and 4, or they might just remake Code Veronica and try something different lore-wise. I wouldn't complain there since Code Veronica is one of my favourites. I also have to remind myself that the hardcore fans of the lore don't pay Capcom's bills. It's the large number of casual gamers that do. And I actually think RE4 Remake is the most recent game which caters for both relatively well, and for that I am really grateful. I'm a fan of Resident Evil and I wanted to continue and do well and never want to experience that dark period in 2012 again. But I think we'll eventually get a one-to-one -one Resident Evil 5 remake off the back of it, for better or for worse. Thanks for listening, keep up the good work and uh, look forward to, to, to hearing this back and future episodes. Thank you. Thank you, Ronnie. Encompassing many points, actually. Uh, best game, the best playing RE game ever. Uh, a lot of our call-ins today have uh, echoed that sentiment, but I, I Point I wanted to open to the panel here. Third person Resident Evil game in the RE engine. I mean, I think we mentioned this back in Remake 2, didn't we? <laughs> it's only this game was a new one. We still haven't really had it. I don't really count Village third person mode as a as a true third person RE engine game. In terms of new storyline, I mean. Absolutely. And and this is where, where people are set, you know, where, where I do disagree a little bit when people say, well, you're still getting your new games. What's wrong with, you know, mixing in remakes here and there in between, like, the new numbered games? It's the same amount of years in between numbered titles as what we had in the past. And, like, yeah, I get that. But in the years in the past, we've had, like, little side games, whether it's your Outbreaks, your Dead Aims, or your Revelations. And I feel like they've been put to bed now in favour of remake. If the remake train hadn't started rolling, 
I think we'd probably be at Rear Revelations 3 by now to replace one of the remakes we would have had. And then I just start to think, well, all the mechanics and everything that they've introduced, they'd be fucking amazing in, like, a new, a brand new, from-the-ground-up story. Like, I'd love it so much. You know, Revelations 2, which we sort of alluded to, actually owes... Sorry, RE4 owes a little bit to Revelations 2. You know, the stealth, the stealth sections are pretty much lifted from Revelations 2. Revelations 2 introduced crafting, obviously lifted itself from The Last of Us, I get that. But, you know, for RE, you know, Revelations 2 was the game that introduced crafting, which still exists now. You know, why can't we have another trend-setting side, side game? Sorry, when you say crafting, are we talking about ammo crafting? Because yeah, in Revelations 2, you can combine, like, a herb and or disinfectant to create, you know, alcohol oh, to yeah. create disinfectant Sorry, was, your uh, eyes and things I, like that, which is very much like The Last of Us. I, I, yeah, it was items crafting, so I'm just thinking back to we were talking about ammo, which obviously goes back to... No, yeah, right, the re3 yeah i meant in terms of like picking up like two items and then you but like you know you could say revelations 2 established some of these ideas and i'd love to see a built from the ground up third person fully fledged re title and i think remakes are denying us those now something that's just popped into my head listening to that call and this is not specifically something that was said in the call but so for fundamentally for a lot of people has been quite a faithful remake i think we and we think we'd all probably mostly agree with that for the most part five would be a very interesting beast to be remade because historically during its development and post its release there has been a lot of criticism thrown at that say the cultural tones yes. <laughs> of Resident Evil 5 that I feel like the remake will have to be quite different in some regards in order to get around that. And I think Capcom will be quite aware of not being able to do the same thing they did the first time and currently. So it's going to be very interesting to see what a remake of 5 would be like in under those circumstances. I could say a lot more about it. I'm sure we could have a big massive discussion, but maybe that'll be for a future podcast, especially should they reveal that they actually are doing it. And perhaps other interesting obstacles to overcome with a Code Veronica remake, at the very least a slight mm. edit to maybe mm. Steve Burnside's script when he refers to Alfred as well. Perhaps I won't say Well, that. That, that, that whole thing may change as well, depending on how they want to approach yeah. it. But quite, but, but all, all though, that's, such a, that's such a fundamental factor in, in their relationship and that character. I mean, they can't, I mean, how could you, oh, so this is a whole other podcast. <laughs> if, if they do that and they completely just vanilla over that entire theme from a code for no I, I think i will yeah no it's just let's move yeah, on. I've, got for, I've got to stand up for my boy steve there as well gt you're throwing him under the bus it's actually claire that says that line yeah alfred you cross-dressing freak she it's said oh, by claire yes yep. and then doesn't he oh sorry you're quite right and then that's for him he said right that's that's it because that's the last straw <laughs> for him isn't it because then he says yeah let's get out of here yeah yes yes it's Oh, it's clear that says Code that. Veronica is problematic all round. Yeah, and so it's fine. angles and things like that. Yeah. It's not. It's it's going to be a, a difficult one. Which is why I think there's uh, there is a feeling amongst the fans that perhaps remake one or re remake one is is easier. Uh, and of course, with the anniversary kind of coming up. Thank you so much, Ronnie. Our next call in comes in from Mr. Chanman. Roll the tape. 
Hey guys, Mr. Chanman61 here. I just wanted to call in about the RE4 remake. So initially, when the game got announced, I was not on board with the idea of a remake. I mean, how do you perfect one of the best games in the series? And to be honest, I am biased towards it because it is the first game I played in this series. So I love this game a lot. Now, when I picked up the remake and I played it for the first time, to be honest, it made me fall in love with the game again. For me, this is how I pictured Resident Evil 4 when I picked it up on launch day at nine years old. So for me, it was just, it's perfection. Admittedly, I'm only at chapter seven of the game, but I'm loving it so far. For me, the humor, the, like the, the cheesiness and the quips like Nightwing and Spider-Man are offset with the seriousness and the darkness of the franchise a lot better because Leon feels a lot more fleshed out. Like you can tell he's traumatized by his past and what happened in Raccoon City. I appreciate the fact that he carries the knife that Marvin gave him and the Resident Evil 2 remake it makes it a lot more real in my opinion like he has some trauma and he uses humor and quips to compensate for that trauma so I just appreciated that but thank you guys for hearing my call I appreciate it and keep up the good work there we go calling live from route 66 it would appear <laughs> but a, a really interesting take because that was his first RE game, and of course, no matter you know what fan you are, when you got into the series, that first RE game's always mm. bound to be special. Uh, it doesn't matter if it's Umbrella Corp, doesn't matter. You're always gonna, you know, if you if you get if you get drawn into the series because of a particular game, it's gonna. I'd be amazed if anyone does get drawn into the series with Umbrella Corps, but you know, I'm sure there's someone out there. <laughs> I was about to say, but it's all right. That 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 must have been, you know, scary in that sense. Go, oh God, how could they do this? But I, I was pleased that um, he, mm. he he loved it. There's something we don't maybe talk enough when when we're discussing the remakes, and and he brought it up actually, and it's reminded me, is that sometimes a remake will actually try and not necessarily recreate the experiences and stuff of the original game one-to-one, -one, but try and trigger the nostalgia in your brain that makes you play an experience that is as you remembered. And I think that's what this game does very well, and I think that's what the original remake did very well, because the original remake obviously replicated like famous camera angles and things like that, and it remixed some of the set pieces, but most of the bosses and stuff were the same in the structure of the, the RE1 remake. When you first played the GameCube version, it was kind of like, it evoked the feelings of playing the, the PlayStation 1 original for the first time. And I think that, I think the remake 4 does that because it is so close and so faithful in so many ways. I think I said when we played the Chainsaw demo that by the time I had sort of five minutes of adjusting to how the new game played, when I was running around the village, it was like I was playing the original again. And when a remake can do that, when it, it, it sort of transports you in time back to how you felt when you played the original, it's done its job. And I think this is what a lot of people felt with like the Dead Space remake recently. You will get this less so with Resident Evil 2 and 3 because they're so fundamentally different from the originals. So it's an interesting observation. We've never really talked about it as much on these remake reviews. Thank you so much for that. That was a no, re really insightful point. And uh, as I said, I'm, I'm pleased 
we've you know there's there's that ability to look at it with nostalgic goggles but at the same time enjoy you know the the, the updated version i was going to say just the fact that there's so many people that have as well it's seemingly yeah if, if it, i can equate it personally it's like playing remake 2002 and enjoying it because i enjoyed the original if people were enjoying four for the same reason and they were you know big fans of the original then 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 that's amazing like it tells you just that capcom has done a good job 100 percent, 100 percent. Uh, the next call in is not a call in; it is uh, a text in because we have that ability. <laughs> so, apparently, apparently, this comes in from Umbrella Inc. Uh, because I'm a little hoarse today because of Star Wars Celebration. Um, I will pass over to our friend from Down Under, Mr. Rumby, uh, who's going to read out the uh, the comments from Umbrella Inc. All right. <clears throat> Four is a game I've always thought to be something special and unable to replicate fully. It is the video game I've replayed more than any other. Well, not my favourite Resident Evil game, it's probably my favourite video game. Personally, I did not want a remake of my favourite video game. While I enjoyed the remakes of 2 and 3, I feel where they succeeded translated the genre into modern 3D uh, third person. It did a sufficient, if not poor, retelling of the events the games occurred in. While in the same generation of remakes of the previous two games, the full remake falls much more in line with the remake that started it all. 2002's Resident Evil. Force core experience is intact, improved, modernized, and what was changed was either for the better or to add something value to the gameplay or lore. I firmly believe this game is to four what 2002 remakes is to the original. Everything is familiar, but just different enough to make the environment I was in interesting and enjoyable. I specifically want to talk about the improvements that were brought to the castle. Not only did it trim the fat of the bloated pacing of the original, the game is filled with gorgeous environmental storytelling throughout. Ashley's section, which I was dreading to play, ends up being one of the most surprising experiences in my first playthrough. Anytime I entered an area that reminded me of an upcoming slog, I was greeted with a gaming experience that kept a smile on my face. My only real criticism of the game is that Leon can be a little bit clunky and slow at times. Aiming and shooting feels great, however, stunning an enemy. Uh, Leon always seems to be just a half a second out of the reach of the enemy for the follow-up melee. This, however, could be entirely my fault but it is something I noticed in my playthrough. Other than that, it was an awesome experience, and as someone who did not feel like the game needed to be remade, I am really happy it was. This game felt like coming home, and I could not stop smiling. Thank you, Resident Evil Podcast. Keep up the great work. Interesting, interesting. And another person who will talk about that legacy of the game. It's not my favourite Resident Evil game, but it's my favourite video game. There is that distinction. There is that distinction. So I was pleased that it came along. But yes, uh, another uh, generally positive positive review there from Umbrella Inc. He's mm. absolutely right about the the clankiness, whilst yet the aiming and the combat is is, is a joy and I, a really enjoyable part of this game for me as someone who does prefer the slower paced survival horror. You know, I, I can embrace the combat when it is intelligently done and, and it is fun and the pacing, you know, like we said, we've get like kind of crescendos of action and then we've got kind of slower paced exploratory sections. But yeah, it, 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 the, the actual running movement and the distance and the time it takes from when you shoot an enemy and it's waiting to be melee attacked and the distance it takes, the time it takes to get to that point, often when you're running away from enemies it can be like running through treacle but it's not i think there's so much that surrounds that, that that's right about the game mechanics that you can kind of forgive it and it's it's certainly not 
game-breaking. Uh, it would be, I'd, I'd say, if it was as bad as it is when you're running across that first bridge after you leave the village, because it is very, very slowly on to movement. I'm not sure if that's a performance issue in terms of the number of enemies that were chasing me at the time. Yeah, and then another one that talks about the tone again. I think we're probably nearly 10 for 10 at the minute as we, as we look. <laughs> a great comment, and it echoes what uh, Batman said about the castle section, you know, with the wine cellar. The wine cellar has been discussed quite a bit in circles in the last few days, certainly on our Discord, about how you know, you're probably going through the remake dreading the section where a minigun, Gatling gun comes out of the ground and there's cultists with rocket launchers and everything like that. And the fact that it was replaced with a skulking, slow, mist-filled wine cellar was joyous. Absolutely incredible. And the game does that on numerous occasions where you're kind of expecting this this horrible stone Salazar chase across a bridge... And you don't get it. You instead get a very reworked section of the the elevator, the statue, and uh, I discussed this last time. But it, just the way it condenses certain sections, certain tedious sections, into a very refined single set piece now is is very welcome, and the game does it expertly. So it's a good observation. Thank you, Umbrella Inc. That was uh, as I said insightful as always. Our next calling comes in from Jem Mackey, so let's roll his contribution. Hi lads, um, great summer last podcast. So just wanted to focus on a couple of things which I enjoyed and noticed. Overall, I thought it was fantastic. Kind of Resident Evil Four was my first ever Resident Evil experience, so I felt like I could properly engage in this nostalgia as opposed to the other remakes. I really liked how they kind of subverted and played with our expectations. Lots of moments felt very wink-wink, nudge-nudge. Most pointedly with the dead dog at the beginning of the game, it instantly makes us doubt what's coming up. Is it going to be a lot darker? What are they doing? Similarly, in the chapter one, hearing the banging, we presume it's Luis in the cupboard, but actually it's a villager banging on the trapdoor. They just kind of keep, kept us guessing, which I really like. I felt the game absolutely reeked of The Last of Us in a positive way. Ashley subbing in for Ellie. We saw her grow, become more confident, uh, with a dialogue about climbing over gaps in the wall or grabbing those conspicuous yellow ladders. That relationship felt worlds better than the OG, and I think we have Naughty Dog to thank for that. I thought it seemed really obvious it was directed by the same director as in Evil 5, especially in Chapter 4 when that boat section suddenly opened up, even had a check-in island and a wreck in the middle of the lake. I was obviously just disappointed that it didn't have an RPG on it. I absolutely loved that section. It felt so open, like I'd just been dropped in the village. Similarly, when the castle really opened up, I'd love to see them really go for it with that exploration maybe in future games. Lore-wise, I love the added details, even though it was forced into the usual decadent lore rooms, learning more about Luisa's background, the village history, and the, the amber being a bigger deal. But what on earth were they doing with Wesker, and how on earth does someone make any sense of that who's only played the remakes? Sadly but surely, they're definitely going to do a Resi 5 remake, or why would they do that? Overall, though, I loved it, and while I would want and probably prefer a ninth game, I'm happy to play through any remake of this quality. I'm looking forward to presumably separate ways. I think we just all need to be happy and remember that our series is doing so well that we can be safe in the knowledge that it's going to keep on pumping these quality games out. But come on, let's have a bit more originality again. There we go. Uh, really praising the quality of the game. And I think that's uh, un- almost un- undeniable as a lot of thought and attention's gone in. And, and he talks about the, the subverting of the expectations. Um, I totally forgot about the uh, zombie on fire in the oven. And so I was pleased that that got me once again. <laughs> and I was like, oh, no, oh, no. I felt that I should have known. But as I said, it's, it's a bit different. But and then, and then he obviously mentioned some of the changes and the knocking on the door and things like that. So um, it works well. Um, and the, the lake as well was another interesting point. As I said, whereas in the original, I think you can only go to two locations, I think, on the boat. This one, obviously, you've got a huge area to explore. 
on the boat and yes it, it did it did uh, re- remind me of RE5 as well um, I mm. didn't go to the middle bit though I didn't ah I feel I feel there's I missed some that treasure. there's some treasures on there there's no yeah no uh, rocket launcher this time ah. but yeah it's funny it's funny that I I hadn't quite grasped that now that I more think about it that the, the layout of that lake section basically is just Resident Evil 5 there's the thing in this middle there's the chicken island or the chicken section instead of an island there's like an entrance to a cave there's a an entrance that leads to like a um a walkway that essentially in this one is the swamp that you came through originally but in theory would be the one on the left of the the um Resident Evil 5 map hey 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 you know I've seen a lot of people saying oh you know the boat section oh it's obviously they're testing the ground for Resident Evil 5 remake but what if they've made it so similar to the Resident Evil 5 remake because it's not coming and they just want to just throw it in as a way of just sort of you know giving you one last little boat trip around the lake yeah is that optimism I don't know (laughs) it's optimism or pessimism depending on who you're talking to isn't it it's not the most memorable part of remake five, uh, Resident Evil Five, the lake, the, the boat bit, is it? Well, it's, one of, it's one of the first times it, it it doesn't funnel you through a corridor. That's true. Mm. Which is one of the reasons why I think people are endeared to it a little bit. You, there is a, almost the freedom of choice on that section. Um, I think which way, yeah. there's stuff you can. There's optional as well. Like there's yeah. stuff that's probably the first time there's really really optional stuff too. Why, why, why do you think they put the small keys into the game? It's obvious that they're going for. Oh, I've, really... I've actually seen that argument. I have. I've seen <laughs> I've someone seen say they're clearly testing the small key mechanic. Like that's anything that needs testing extensively in their previous game. It doesn't even need testing. It's just I, I, also enjoy the meme. I enjoy the, the meme about why Leon throws the keys away when they're clearly reusable keys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's some stuff, believe me, guys. I, 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 don't, I don't, I'm not in the games industry, but I'm pretty certain they won't be testing out a key mechanic in a previous game. I'm pretty sure they've probably got dev builds that do all that just as well behind the scenes. Thank you, Jem. Thank you for that. Brilliant call-in. Thank you very much. Uh, our next call-in comes in from Ellie Cool. So let's uh, play the tape. Hi, dear. Now, Resident Evil podcast team, this is Eli Cool. Just getting my overall thoughts on Resident Evil 4 Remake. Resident Evil 4 Remake is a good game. It doesn't beat the original game. It's on par of it. Some bits it does better than the original, some bits it just doesn't. I find that the characters were okay. They're not better than the originals. Salazar was very bland, the, so was Osmond Sattler. Yeah, he was very bland. I thought that uh, Luis was expanded, not to my liking. I don't I don't like the fact that he was an umbrella scientist. Ada Wong, despite the backlash of the Actress's performance I thought was very good. Ashley was a big improvement. Her character was very good. It was better than the, it's obviously better than the original. At least she helped you in some situations, and plus she didn't have to use any of your resources on her. If she went down, you just had to pick her back up. Jack Crowder, uh, I'm still not sure what to make of his character, given the fact that Operation Javier is now completely different, and Leon's relationship is similar but different the game overall gameplay wise is fantastic i think the the part where you and luis were together in the mines that's uh, to me that's just reeks of the uh, resident Evil 5 being coming there's just testing waters about, about that but overall i thought that was a very good game still not better than the original and that's my thoughts on the resident Evil 4 remake 
thank you very much. Calling from the Spencer Mansion, it would appear as well. So <laughs> thank you so much. A uh, very character-driven uh, yeah. calling, actually. Very well, character-driven. Yeah. Excuse me, I think people are, aren't they? And we have as well picking up on this. The characterisation, particularly of the antagonists, whereas, you know, we, we definitely got improvements with Leon and Ashley in uh, both of them individually and the relationship between the two of them. Not so much on the antagonists. I'm not sure if I'm right to remember I wasn't on the podcast, so I'm listening back to it. Didn't did Batman mention on the RE4 demo podcast looking forward to perhaps more expansion on the Mendes character? I think it was maybe someone may maybe mentioned that, and that's something I don't think that we got that we perhaps could have got. I think it was when I was hoping they were going to link it to Leon's PTSD by having him feel it was the tyrant coming toward him because of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's silly, but I was, honestly thought they were going to go for that. Um, like, oh, oh, well, I'd have given you some money, I think, surely, if they if they gone on that. He had a silhouette of Mendes walking in the hat. Why? <laughs> the demo was implying that Leon was absolutely traumatized by his time in Raccoon, and they kind of start it off like that. He's sort of pondering it all in the car, and then by the time he gets to the game, it's all gone again. I'd have not. I'd have, I've just maybe, but I'd have found it amusing if they'd focused on the hat. Batman, what's your what's your response to that from George? Just about the kind of Mendes situation. Yeah, I mean, I think I did say that I was hoping you know the characters would be expanded, and although Mendes doesn't physically appear much more than he does in the original, I quite liked the files um, about his backstory. They turned in into more of a tragic character in this. I think in supplemental materials for the original game, they say even though he was the village chief, he was like a lifelong practitioner of the Los Illuminados religion. Whereas in this remake, it's clear that he, you know, he had noble intentions. He wanted to help the village. He helped expand it. He brought oil in. He opened it up to the outside world. He helped it prosper. And then much like uh, Salazar, he was brainwashed by the cult. So I, I quite liked that twist on his character. And in terms of his point about Sadler and Salazar being a bit more dull and not as memorable. I know we've already discussed that tonight, and that's true, but that's just a consequence of Capcom trying to make them a bit more grounded, I think. We'll talk about it more in the uh, Law podcast, which will be our one next, but he wasn't a fan of the change to Lewis being an Umbrella employee. It's one of those, isn't it? It's a nice tie-in, but in some respects, I can see where he's coming from because it's it's kind of pointless, and it maybe just comes across as though it's been done for the sake of it. It's 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 one of those. It's it's you're either going to like it or you're not. I know that sounds obvious, but I think my biggest problem with with having Lewis be both connected to the village with his grandfather and also having him um, you know be an ex-umbrella scientist is it makes the universe feel very small. Like, that's a hell of a coincidence that the, the place where this Los Plagas outbreak is just happens to be a character that's not only connected to it, but he's also got ties to the greater law, if you know what I mean. Yes, but to counter that, I will say the in the original, we're just not told anything about him at all. You know, we've no idea who he worked for or anything, you know, and it was, it was nice that they at least explained it this time round. But it, it didn't have to be... You know, he didn't have to be a former Umbrella researcher, but I think we all suspected they were, they were going to tie Umbrella into the into the village somehow. And I'm just glad it wasn't this huge major retcon of, you know, mm. the, the island being a former Umbrella lab, for example. Mm. I think it, it was nicely, you know, it was subtly done. I, I actually was about to make a joke about that, that I like the fact that Leon comments on the stolen 
umbrella gear like it was raided from yeah. a closing facility yeah i think the ada debate is gonna run for the rest of the year uh, and i think it's a six of one half dozen of another arg- kind of argument i think you know as much as i dramatically prefer the original ada i i appreciate it's a trope you know the sort of sexy femme fatale flirty kind of spy and the remakes just going in a completely different direction, and whether that's whether that's better or worse for people, I think is in the eye of the beholder. I, I don't think it's for any one of us to say the new direction they're taking her in is right or wrong. It's it's, it's just different. Yeah, it's yeah. just different. Yeah, and I, I, I think they're saying the same with with Krauser as well. It's you know, some people have kind of said the character's not the same, but it's like it's a direction they've chosen. Maybe we shouldn't judge Ada. Too prematurely because we have only seen half a performance, really. You know, we That's have to true, wait yeah. separate ways. Yes, absolutely. Thank you, Eli Cool. Very cool. Next call in comes in from Jedi Stud. So let's play the tape. Hello again, my friends from across the pond. This is Jedi Stud calling in with my thoughts on what is going on with Resident Evil remakes. Well, I, for one, am fully on board. Sign me up, bring them, give me Resident Evil 1 uh, remake in the RE engine, give me Code Veronica. I will say though, I stop, hard stop at Resident Evil 5. I do not, I I did play 5, I liked it a lot. I played it a whole bunch actually. Do not want to see that one remade. No thank you, I, it's not needed. The, the game wasn't good enough to warrant a remake. So with the remakes and for remake, I think they need to be done uh, once they do Veronica and Resident Evil 1. Um, I think Capcom knows that they could do it. Uh, I don't know if they know whether they should do it yet at least. So once those are, if those happen, uh, I think that 9 needs to happen. But where where does the story go with 9? Does it continue off from Village? Oh, I hope not um, because that's too far in the future. So Capcom, uh, my friends, what is what is happening with Capcom? Are they just doing this for money? Is this a cash grab? Are they doing this for the fan base? What's what's really happening here? Thank you very much. Um, what's interesting is I think it's a point that um, we've raised before in the podcast because obviously that was a very remake general focus call in. Where does it stop? And I think, and this is the problem, I think everyone has their own cutoff point in terms of remakes. I mean, mine possibly would have been after the first remake, but a lot of people have said, oh, two, two needed it because it's bigger. Then, oh, well, if you're doing two, you've got to do three. Like, fine. And then people said, that'll do, that's it. Just the Raccoon City incident. That's not up to date, if you like. And then, but some said, oh, you could do Outbreak, you know, bring that up to speed. Now it's like, now people say, obviously, you've got four. And then, oh, but, you know, five is five is a no-go for Jedi Stud. Absolutely, perfectly fine. I mean, game doesn't deserve a remake, apparently. I 100% agree uh, with him. I don't think it's good enough. <laughs> but there we go. But as I said, you know, it's that kind of thing, isn't it? Everyone has a completely different opinion on where the cutoff point is for a remake. What suits them? It, what's interesting about that is when you say a game isn't good enough for a remake, isn't that inherently the reason why someone would remake it? You'd go, well, it's time to improve that game. There's a core concept here and time to... But again, that's again still just a subjectively justifiable. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
I think the bigger question was at the end, like, why did they do it for money? I don't think the intent was for money. I think when, when it was pitched internally almost a decade ago, it was sort of 2014, 2015, somewhere then, that the idea was that they thought it was a valid time to do a remake of Resident Evil 2. I think because it was popular, it has generated a lot more money. But there's obviously a, ba- a balance because 3 didn't obviously do as well as they had hoped because but they've realised, well, we need to correct this in a way. Partly you worry it's less about money, not that it isn't making financially successful, but more because of creative stagnation. Have they figured out what they want to do to reinvent the franchise moving forward or where the story's going? Or is it easier to go back into the past and, and correct and change and adjust and retell old stories? The, we don't know the answer to that question. I, don't, I think any of them could be true and I wouldn't be surprised, but it's, it's all up to Capcom staff, development, management, shareholders, uh, stakeholders, all that sort of stuff. I think what frustrates me on a personal point of view about the whole remake thing is that for years and years and years, for nearly 30 years, this is a franchise that's thrived on law discussions and forums and discords and things like that. And once upon a time when a new entry was added to the, the canon, added to the universe, forums would be ablaze with theories and, you know, law questions and where are we going to go next and things like that. And there's been a shift in the community and now all it is, is the discourse that occurs after a game now, certainly in the wake of a remake, is let's just talk about what we're going to remake next. No one's actually crunching the storyline, bar the dedicated few, about you know the story implications or the character directions they've taken. It's just, what are we going to remake next? The social media is just, what are we going to remake next? It's just bang, 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 bang. You know, before you know it, we're remaking Resident Evil Nine before Nine's even come out. It's just relentless, and I and I just, from a nostalgic point of view, are making me sound extremely old. I just <laughs> miss the times of when we used to just crunch the law and talk about the characters and not just sit here for wasting entire uh, podcast episodes talking about what we're going to remake next but how significant to... how can i just quickly say one bit how significant because i completely agree with with stars how significant though to that is the the demise of the forums and the massive explosion of resident evil fans expressing their opinions in very short quick moments on places like twitter and instagram as opposed to like you say discussing this in 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 forums and i've always said you know people are gonna again i'm gonna feel very old but discord you know we've got a fantastic wonderful discord community and i think we've almost i, I think you guys should be so proud of the way that we the rep discord has almost to a certain extent as much as discord can allow because i've you know again sounding old i've i've been a crit- criticism critic critic of discord but almost replicated that forum discussion but i think the demise of the forums has very much played a part in what you know what stars laments I'm going to play devil's advocate on it, not in a bad way. It's not that I don't agree with what you're saying, Sean, at all, but I feel like previous discourse was always about law, but it was always about what game's coming next and what should happen. And and so it's a fundamental change in that dialogue from what should happen next to what should be remade next as well. You know, and it's not like there aren't people out talking about sequels. It's just, yeah, right now remakes are the, the trend about what people want to see next or don't want to see next or where their line in the sand is. But I feel like that's being also slightly disingenuous to the fact that we have, and, and we will obviously have a discussion regarding what canon and what plot is moving forward from these remakes and how they are essentially a separate discussion and a separate story now. And I mean, I know obviously it's come out in recent 
I say weeks, but maybe month or so, you know, that there's been a more clarification from people related to Capcom about how they're a different continuity, much more clear than they've been in the past. And I think that's born of the fact that you just, this version of Resident Evil 4 in, inherently just makes that the case. You can't, you can't deny it anymore that it is a completely different timeline of events. It is not the same it's got same events happening, but there are just things that will just never line up. And, and Operation Javier is one of the very mm. obvious ones straight off the bat here. So I think there's definitely stuff to, there's meat to the bone to chew on. But I think people, it's whether or not people want to engage in that or if they understand that yet. Or, or And and, and George is right as well. The, the, the dynamic has definitely changed with social media. The way it's very homogenized short points and short takes it means that we don't have room for in-depth discussions like we did as much. Um, back in the day where it was just forums and there wasn't a lot of social media and it was it, it was very uh very different but that's i think that's not inherently a bad thing either it's just a tool it's how we how we approach it people can definitely create long-form content on youtube or they can create like dialogue discussions on discords that are much longer and get into in-depth debates if they want again again i don't think these things are gone it's just it's people's willingness to to approach them in that respect thank you jedi stud the next call in comes in from the mippy so let's roll the tape g'day guys the mippy here uh yeah so the re4 remake is out and what did i think of it well, yeah, I was one of those people too who were quite sceptical about this and I thought that RE4 was one of those games that didn't really need a remake. And I guess some people might still argue that now, but I have to say that Capcom really won me over with this one. Um, yeah, this game was phenomenal. It was an absolute blast to play. Yeah, disregarding the obvious stuff like the graphics, which were amazing. The sound was a huge improvement, I found, um, especially the soundtrack. Uh, yeah, the, some of those music pieces really took me by surprise. Um, not only that, but the sound design too, especially in areas like the village in Castle, where they added a lot of things like ominous chanting, really just added to the creepy factor of the whole thing. Um, uh, the game played really well too. I mean, you don't realise just how many incremental improvements have been made to this series over time just to make it play more fluidly, especially with a game like RE4 that pretty much pioneered the third-person shooter that we... as as we know it yeah it was just just a great all around really good package really enjoyed it and i guess most of all as a fan of this series who's been quite apprehensive about the direction they're going in and someone who's a bit of a survival horror purist at heart um it's just great to play an action horror game and just see how fun they can be and not only that but now we've got such a great template for both survival horror and action horror when you look at the re2 remake and re4 remake capcom have really struck gold here with the re engine and how they've tailored these games to please pretty much all fans there's a lot of overlap between between the two now that I find that any game they make in the future I think that any fan's going to be able to jump in and enjoy it and it really makes me feel positive about the future of the series because I think we can get both slower paced horror games and faster paced action games and just enjoy them all around and look if this remake train is going to continue I really hope that they just stick to this level of quality and this level of dedication to the source material just to you know, really make everyone happy. So, um, yeah, I really had a great time with this one, guys. Uh, yeah, thank you. There we go. The Miffy there calling from Down Under. Thank you very much. I'm very much talking about the sound element and the soundtrack. Um, I would wholeheartedly agree. A really good OST for this one and the uh, the sound design. And uh, he speaks about some of the, the, the creepy, creepy voices, the Gloria Las Blackness person in particular. <laughs> quite, quite memorable. Quite memorable. We were very quick to take that. <laughs> Really good soundtrack, and um, uh, it also talks about the template as well. So um, I'll just re only just very quickly second the thing about the sound design, although I felt that it's a little sparse in places, and I've lamented the omission of you know savour music. 
in the areas where you find the typewriter, not just when you're actually saving the game. But I understand that that might be improved when I get the uh, download the classic soundtrack. Uh, but you're right, Nick. Oh my God, the 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 glorious Los Plagas. That voice actor. He says it twice, and on the second the second time, there's kind of this like break sort of upper sort of old English kind of quaint sort of sound to it that almost makes it sound more sinister. Um, but yeah, just very sinister. That's what I was really hoping would come across from the original that I loved was the, the you know, the kind of the, uh, the chanting of the monks and that really kind of amps up the tension, you know, when you're coming into different locations where, you, where you're finding them. So yeah, uh, sound design, great. Perhaps would have, though, I would have enjoyed, you know, kind of maybe some more signature tracks in particular mm. areas. That's fair. Uh, the 3D audio is industry leading, though. It, it does have to be said. Uh, they are ridiculously good at this now, Capcom. And it's been interesting to see the impact that has had on design, like the Dead Space remake is really focused on that sort of level of audio, and I'm pretty sure they would say that the remake in Capcom's work is probably a good inspiration for how that's working. It's trend-setting somewhere in the industry, at least. Thank you. Yeah, thank you very much, Mippy, for the call-in. Uh, very good. Our next com- uh, call-in comes in from Eric Jackson. Hey guys, Eric here with my short review of RE4. I didn't really enjoy playing it. But to understand why, how about some context? Few memories are more precious from the 90s than sitting on the floor while watching my dad play the original RE Trilogy. Countless playthroughs were had, and on one day in 2005, I tried to play the original RE4. And after surviving the town square, I quietly shut off the game and muttered to myself, Haha, no, thank you. It was simply too stressful. Ironically, it wasn't until years later when my first playthrough would be the mobile version on my iPod. A travesty, I know, but I just found it less stressful to play, though I did eventually get back to the console version after many playthroughs of RE5. With that in mind, I am a lifelong fan of this franchise, and despite the glaring flaws of RE2 make and 3 make, I had a great time with those titles, lore concerns aside. But getting back to 4 Remake, it was too hard which I wouldn't normally mark against a game. I love games like Dark Souls after all, but having not played the demo and trusting the new game advisement of hardcore if you've played the original, I foolishly dove into a hardcore run. The real bottleneck was my 15-ish deaths in the cabin. Nowhere else in the game was I forced to train the parry mechanic, and it almost made me start a new game on standard, but for like five minutes. I came back, first try, woof. I echo many of the sentiments shared on the podcast about performances, characterizations, lore, and overall improvements from the original. My biggest gripes largely stem from what I would call the lack of replayability, the poor communication of difficulty, the slog of that difficulty, and the infuriating path to acquiring infinite ammo weapons. But that being said, I applaud the game for filling me with the same sweaty palm, hunched shoulders, pants shitting tension. I felt all those years ago, back in 2005. You guys are amazing. Keep doing what you're doing. I hope to call in again. See you on Discord and in the Twitch chat. Jack's on deck, signing off. Thank you for that Watch Mojo video, Eric Jackson. I can't help but feel a spiritual bond with Eric Jackson here. That was. uh, (laughs) I feel Eric's like my American cousin. I mean,. The similarities are striking. It's the game's the game's too difficult. He plays the mobile version of a game, um, and he's that's uncanny Nick actually. And he sends in his first ever call in to the podcast with backing music, which I believe 
if you go back and listen to the RPD Dispatch, the first ever call in I did also came with backing music. So, <laughs> for the Nept- um, Neptune backing music. So, um, Eric. And I'm just going to get in, sorry, I'm just going to get in on the family as well because I'm so delighted to have finally met the other iPod owner. Of the iPod, RV4 iPod. It edition. used to, be, yeah, it used to be on iPod, and then one day I woke up and it inexplicably been taken, inexplicably been taken off. Yeah, my condolences as well, Eric. I too was taken in by the oh, for experienced players of the 2005 original or whatever it was, and then had a, a, a hard experience. They, they really mm. did a number on people choosing hardcore first. Mm. I felt, I've never felt betrayed by a game's menu more than Resident Evil 4 remake. I love how the like comparatively the remake Resident Evil 2's description is more accurate than the description of this remake, even though this remake is more blatant about something the whereas the 2002 remake was relatively obtuse about what those difficulties were but they were actually kind of more accurate oh the hiking and mountain climbing thing yeah yeah Yeah. yes there is a difficulty spike in this it is easily the most challenging of all the remakes uh under the re engine and probably the hardest re engine game to date the way this has been going i would say for some people especially especially if you played the first time on hardcore it might be one of the hardest games in the entire franchise the way i've seen people discuss it and including sean like you know just places getting stuck it wasn't it wasn't quite the brutal punishing bastard of resident evil zero on hard the first time through Mm. that was an experience but it certainly was soul destroying at times but but i i have to caveat that with the fact that there is an added pressure for us sometimes i think and because because we've always got the review episode in mind and so i didn't want to not have it not not to throw you under a bus here gt but i didn't want to not have it finished before we (laughs) recorded and so i was getting frustrated at myself more than I was the game at the fact that I was finding these hurdles that I, and I just at the back of my mind I was just constantly thinking I need to get this finished I need to get this finished and I'm wasting entire evenings on a fucking Garador room once I'd achieved certain hurdles it was fine but yeah I think I think uh, Nick would have felt people. the same <laughs> Nick did feel the same I can assure yeah. you how did you cope, Batman? Uh, well, I'm just glad I played this game on standard. You know, I think the difficulty levels in Resident Evil games are too extreme. You know, the harder difficulties on some of the games are just... You just... I don't see how you can enjoy it. You know, the I think the Infernal mode on, on Revelations 1 is just ridiculous. And likewise, Professional on RE5 if you try to play it single player. The only really hard difficulty I play on default is Resident Evil 0 because I think the balance there is absolutely perfect yeah but for this i played standard and i think that's what added to my enjoyment of it because i think you know you spoke a lot in the last podcast you and sean that you know it spoiled your enjoyment a little bit because you struggled with the various difficulty levels and i think am i remembering right sean you it's happened to you a few times because was it village or re7 your initial playthrough was spoiled because you couldn't get the VR set to work correctly or something. I can't really it, remember. It, it was seven because um, I was so taken in by the fact that this was the first game in years where you had like a um, a, a saving yeah. quantity. So by getting the tapes on Madhouse, I thought, oh, I'm definitely going to do that first time. And I couldn't even get past the Mia fight. And I just remember being so bitter about the game. And as it happens now, RE7 is one of my favourite games in the series. 
but it took some time to get there because I felt so aggrieved by how Madhouse treated me. And then when Resident Evil 2 came out, I tried hardcore first, and then with the ink ribbons, because the ink ribbons drew me into that, and then I got about as far as the sewer, and I just thought, fuck this. I just give give up. I'm not enjoying it. That's the problem. And that's that's really why I stuck with the standard mode because I just didn't want something like that to happen on my first playthrough. And and you can still create you know high levels of tension. Fair enough, the bosses might not be quite as challenging or tense in that exact moment, but it doesn't matter if you're playing on easy or standard mode. If you're if you've never been through this game before, you don't really know what's coming next, and you're four and a half hours into it and you've you've not died yet. That is tense because you want to keep that going. That's just totally ruined if you're in, like with previous caller said, you're stuck in the cabin section and you've died 16 times because you're just going to get pissed off with it. Yeah, very true. That's what I heard from both of these guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but the, uh, there, is, there is the reward of perseverance, yeah. and I, I was yeah, very pleased with mm. that. I guess that's the flip side of it, isn't it? That you, if you persevere and you feel like you've achieved and accomplished, then, then it's worth the effort. But in the moment, you don't feel that. You feel frustration. <laughs> it's, and It's the Souls experience. You know, you, <laughs> this, is why, this is why From Software games are not for everybody, because you will spend hours smashing your skull against a wall, probably, you know, 20, 30 times on a single boss. And, you, and there are moments where you sit there and go, why am I fucking doing this? I'm not even sure I'm enjoying it. And then the moment you do it, and you go, <laughs> and it's the best experience ever. Thank you, Eric. Our next call-in comes in from a regular call-in contributor, Ploppy. Roll the tape. Hi, Ploppy54 here. What can I say in two minutes that hasn't been said already? Well, for me personally, I hate the original Resident Evil 4. I hate that it moved away from survival horror and went more survival action. I hate that they changed Leon from being a down-to-earth rookie cop, just trying to survive, into a wise-cracking superhero. I hate the city stone statue chase, so I'm pleased to say that I actually love the remake of Resident Evil 4. Leon is such a better character. He still has his quips, but it's not as forced. Your hand comes right off. I mean, come on, please. The atmosphere is brilliant. The quick organisation of the Tashi case was a great idea, and Ashley is vastly improved. The only thing I prefer is the original Ada, and no, that's nothing to do with the voice actor. I have to disagree with Stars when he says that we need answers about her. The OG Ada is mysterious, and small details about her life are much better than finding out her real name is Brenda and she collects strange-smelling cheese. The remake Ada just doesn't have that same air of mystery about her, and after turning up in Remake 2 wearing a trench coat and sunglasses, she might as well have had a sign that said, I am a spy. But above all that, they took the stone statue chase out, so it's an instant win for me. Collecting <laughs> the Gouda and the uh, Brie... Plus the blue cheese, uh, vintage. See, this is, we must not ask the right questions. It will be Brenda. Brenda, yes, I like that. Brenda Wong. <laughs> that is true though, because not not many people know this. Because in the RE three epilogue, I think you, you can correct me if I'm wrong, Batman. It is revealed that Ada Wong is not her real name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm, correct. It's kind of been retcon though now, hasn't it? That because she's think it has. embraced it. Um, uh, hello. Uh, hello. <laughs> um, he. Oh, GT, you've thrown what I was gonna fucking say. <laughs> Jesus, what was I gonna say? Oh, bastard. He, he didn't hello. like it. Sorry, hello. sorry. Who's got? Yeah, oh. he, he... yeah sorry. I don't, um... 
<laughs> Another classic interruption by GT. Um, he he mentions about um, how how Leon's a fundamentally different character, and I, and, I, and I must say, like, I do like the fact that they integrate humor into his character in the remake, but it feels more instead of him just being a smug spy. It feels more like he's using humour to compensate for the fact that he's really fucking struggling in this. It's actually a character point now that he tries to sort of wisecrack, but he almost doesn't even feel comfortable himself doing it. It feels like I say he's compensating for his his drama and trauma, and I think it's really good. I think Nick plays it really well. I think Nick plays this Leon very well. It must be said. It's it's dour and it's 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 quite dry, but I think it suits where. This iteration of Leon is 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 la in his life, and it doesn't stick out like a sore thumb when you inter- when you compare the other stories that are around this game uh, as much as the original does now. Now the Vin- Vendetta version seems the most outlandish. Oh yeah, it's... <laughs> yes. how do you go from demon in a bottle to killing civilians on a highway? I just will never know. But Vendetta knows <laughs> it. But <laughs> I was going to say there was an interesting point made about the auto sort on the um, the item attaché case. Um, which has been very interesting to see the reaction online. I would have thought there was a lot of people who have created a, a concept of really enjoying their item, manual item sorting in the game and it's almost like a game within a game kind of yeah. thing. And, and in fact, I think it's inspired like an indie game that literally is just uh, sorting items in a, a attache case <laughs> that exists. <laughs> so the auto sort I thought might be more controversial than this, but it seems like most people seem to enjoy it. It works fundamentally well and I use it a lot. I know I, I, I won't get it's quite quite a good feature, but I, I mean I don't mind occasionally moving stuff around and resorting it when I needed to. But yeah, it was it's quite good. Thank you, Ploppy, for that. Uh, very insightful as always. Uh, we now have another regular caller, a uh, call in from the selfish Gene. Hi everyone, Gene here calling in. I wasn't enthused or overwhelmed with the announcement of this game. I didn't watch any trailers, but on the initial reveal, I didn't play the demo. Um, I wasn't overly impressed with Village, and I thought the systems that it brought in. From the original RE4 were kind of half-assed and I was a bit worried that they, they wouldn't execute too well. I fully intended to get this game in a few months time when I have a bit more time in my personal life to play it. But I was out shopping and the, some shop stuff were really good to me so I bought it on the spot. And I've beaten it once and I had a whole lot of fun. I think that the new systems like the spinal currency are really good. I think the story's had a haircut and a tidy up which I don't mind really given how far we into this remake cycle now. I did a really orthodox playthrough, relying on my favourite guns from the original and not trying any of the, the attached cases or charms. And I'm really looking forward to my next playthroughs with completely different loadouts when I get a bit more time. The only minor criticism I have of it is that it's not as cool as the original. And it's not even really a bad thing, it's just my personal taste. So as dated as quick times feel today, that original Krauser fight will always be a hundred times cooler than sort of me clumsily plugging away at him in a gameplay knife fight. But a straight up cutscene without the QTS would kind of suck today. So the original was made by a large team, but it feels more like visionary, like an auteur's vision. Whereas this feels a bit more made by committee to be a crowd pleaser. And it does really please. I like it a whole lot. It's hard to describe, but I guess the best way I can try is that the original doesn't feel like style over substance, but maybe that style is equally as important as substance. And this new edition has just dialed the style back a little bit. But like the original, it's built on rock-solid gameplay. And it's kind of interesting with the development of the original RE4, Devil May Cry it was all too action and stylish, and there was something called a stylish build once upon a time. It's taken me 
20 years almost later to playing this version of the game where I think there's a bit less style to kind of appreciate what the original intention and vision was uh, all the way back in 2005. Okay, hasta luego. Thank you, Gene. A really interesting comment. A couple of points I wanted to pick up on. Talk about the, the cut. We haven't really talked about the QTEs or lack of QT, QTEs. Gene's really focusing on almost like Mikami's vision if you like, of the original Resident Evil 4. And, you know, he, he sees evidence of that being, you know, being pushed through and, you know, says this perhaps a bit more a bit more by the numbers, a bit more, as he says, committee-based. But And it's taken him, what, 20 years to appreciate what they were going for with re, with mm. the original RE4. I found that I found that fascinating. Well, the the thing about that is that when they were going to make the original, it was supposed to be what Resident Evil Three, and the Resident Evil Three we got was obviously not going to be Three. And it, the, Mikami gave Kamaya basically open season on it. He said, "You you turn it into something that you want to make. They don't mind as long as it's within the franchise. You 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 do it." And of course, eventually he made something that was too much. It moved too much away from from what was intended, and that's where it became Devil May Cry. And so it is very interesting to go. Well, five was still restrained compared to Devil May Cry as far as like action goes, but then this is even more restrained than that version. So yeah, but but I mean the point also is that at the time that that version of four that Mikami was making was he wanted a system change. He knew that it was time for the for the game to to be reinvented. Um, so it was intentional. A lot of his design things, including the simplistic story, that was part of the design concept as well. Is that in order to reboot the game, you keep keep the story as bare bones uh, and as removed from the main franchise as you as you could at the time just because it was an easier way to tell a story. So, yeah, it's it's interesting that this kind of both only goes back on the action, but also has now got 17 years of canon to pick and choose from if it wanted to uh, tie itself in, and it does in some respects, stuff like, you know, RBA, Operation RBA and stuff like that. But then, yeah, it does a version of its own. So I, I find it a very, at that point where you start wondering why would you even mention it? It could have just been something else. I've never heard anyone, uh, this is definitely a thing from your part of the world, Rob, uh, never heard anyone describe the streamlining of a story as a haircut and a tidy up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, haircut and a trim or a haircut and a... Yeah, that is a, that is a colloquialism, I would say, is very, yeah. It's wonderful. Down this way. Need, need something to be tidied up. Yeah, give it a haircut and a... It's, it's like, it's like a glo- people would say a, gl- a glow up or a gloss up, something like that, you know? Like the same idea. Yeah. Well, you might. A glow up. <laughs> <laughs> Nick, you still think that me and Gene sound the same? Is that you're trying to say that I just did that call in, and uh, that's why I just wanted to get that expression in there? <laughs> oh dear, Batman! Do you lament the passing of the QTEs, or is it a, uh, a you know a time in the, in, in the development? You know when QTEs were all the rage. Yeah, it was very much a product of the time, wasn't it? It was such a, a sense you got such a sense of achievement when you when you beat the Krauser fight, you know, in two thousand and five. But yeah, it definitely wouldn't work by today's standards. And I think what they did instead by making it a live fight again. Initially, I was a little bit skeptical of how it was going to work, but I thought it turned out perfectly fine in the end. Happy with what they did. That's a very interesting thing too to think about. That I remember a lot of people saying in that era, especially four and five, was like you know cutscenes where they couldn't put the controller down because they don't know when there was going to be a, a quick time event. That's at least the difference here. You can watch a cutscene and enjoy it, and then in the gameplay is the gameplay. You are actually engaged in it. Considering they made that their you know, proof of concept, they've said you know if they could get they got that up and running as a fight, knew that they could that that, that would basically was the catalyst for confirming that they could do the remake the way they wanted to. 
And then the parry mechanic obviously came from that. Thank you, Gene, for your call-in. Always appreciated. Our next call-in comes in from Nemesis T-Type himself. Hello to everyone at the Resident Evil podcast. Nemesis T-Type here. Long-time listener, first-time caller. Been listening to the podcast since 2017, so thank you to everyone for all of your hard work over the years. My introduction to Resident Evil was in the summer of 2000 with the original Resident Evil 3 Nemesis and it's still my favorite entry in the series to this day. As far as RE4 is concerned, I played the OG back in the day on PS2, and I'm currently playing the remake on PS5. Overall, my thoughts on the game are that I believe it was a fantastic effort of passion and a bold choice on Capcom's part, and I would humbly submit that I believe they pulled it off. The character development this time around was fantastic, and they're much more fleshed out, Perfect example being Krauser. Granted, in typical Capcom fashion, they inexplicably retconned Operation Javier, but I'm not surprised. My favorite moments of the game were the battle with Krauser, the battle with Verdugo, and my time spent with the Merchant. It may be an unpopular opinion, but the Merchant is my favorite character of the RE4 remake. And yes, I believe he is a character. He does not have his own specific backstory, but he is indeed a character. And my time spent at the Merchant Station was some of my favorite moments in the whole series. The soundtrack this time around is absolutely fantastic. It's brilliant. Although I am disheartened that you cannot listen to that music at the typewriter and Merchant Stations. If you do activate the original OG soundtrack, you can hear the original Serenity soundtrack playing in the environment. So I do take solace in that. Overall, the game was absolutely fantastic. And I think there's much more praise to give than criticism. And I think it was a commendable effort. And much like it was said on the last episode of the podcast, you simply run out of superlatives to describe this game. And I do think it stands side by side with the original. Um, so well done to Capcom. And I will leave you guys with this. My opinion of Capcom's attitude towards the Remake 4 can be summed up in a quote from The Merchant. This type of work, stranger, requires finesse. A little bit goes a long way. You'll see. Gone. Rhymes with fun for a reason, stranger. Stranger. I always like the bit when you come in and, he, and he's basically compl- lamenting the fact that the, it's the end of his break because you've turned off. Yes. <laughs> yes. 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 A little bit of a little bit for everyone in that in in, in that calling. I think just um, again we'll, we'll touch on another next episode. But Batman he he mentions about the retcon of Operation Javier. Perhaps if people aren't aware, what seems to be the big change between Operation Javier in Darkside Chronicles to the the information we get in the remake. From what Remake tells us, it's now no longer a mission that just features Leon and Krauser. It now includes a, a squad of US soldiers that Krauser was responsible for, and the US government has basically abandoned them to die. And that seems to be Krauser's major reason why he's pissed off and why he's defected from the US and gone to the Los Illuminados. You know, it appears he is no longer affiliated with Albert Wesker. And because Darkside Chronicles went to the trouble of explaining his backstory so well, it just seems bizarre that Capcom have, you know, decided to seemingly abandon it. And it seems to be a common theme that people have enjoyed what the remakes added to the law overall, but I can't think of many people who are happy with the change they've made to uh, Krauser. There does seem to be a lot of general praise towards Krauser. A lot of the call-ins have mentioned he, you know, he's got a lot more characterization, a lot more backstory, because he does come out of nowhere, really, in, when he first played the original Resident Evil 4. You know, you're supposed to kind of feel this rivalry, and you just, it just, you just don't feel it, do you? You don't know who he is. 
No, and you know he's perfectly fine in in the remake. There's nothing particularly wrong with him. I, I think it's just odd because the you know they basically developed a whole game essentially in large part to tell Krause's story, and and now they've just abandoned that story, and it doesn't really add anything. That's you know it's it's just it's just very bizarre. I don't really see why they did it. You know it doesn't make the you know his character any better or worse. It's just it's just odd, and you know they, they've done things like that in all three of these remakes and I'd really like to sit down with the Capcom developers and, and just ask why because it just yeah, makes no sense you're right it's kind of like Survivor kind of got remade in remake 3 didn't it with the kind of tyrant tank and the tyrant room and things like that yeah it's just weird I don't get it you know Krauser could have kept his backstory and still been pissed off with Leon and, and referenced you know the events of Dark Side Chronicles in dialogue while he's fighting Leon. I don't really understand why they've changed it. I can only assume Capcom, like you say, are trying to streamline the series a little bit and they've kept the details vague for people who have not necessarily played Darkseid Chronicles or Operation Javier. Thank you, Nemesis T-Type, for that. Uh, our next call-in comes in uh, from a previous guest, actually, if he's been on before, uh, Yoke. So let's roll Yoke's tape. Hey everyone, Yoke here. I just, oh my god, I want to say I love this. I love this game. I absolutely adore it. I have to replay the original to see if like it's even on the same level, but it's close. Oh man, it's close. Like I went into this game pretty much knowing hardly anything because I've been so disappointed with the past remakes that like I'm probably gonna be disappointed with this, so I, I shouldn't even bother looking up anything. I didn't even watch like the last couple trailers or even played the demo. But oh man, this this is so good. And I honestly, the worst part of this game it highlights why Resident Evil 3 is so uh, remake is so bad. Like why is it that bad? Like, why couldn't they have done this with the other remakes? Oh my god. And, like, the only other, like, r real hang-ups I have is, like, like our, our little little nitpicks. That's really it. Just really small little nitpicks. And that's, like, voice the voice acting. I don't care too much for the voice acting, but it's whatever. And I hate that I have to also, like, add this. But if you're one of the uh, people that were harassing some of the voice actors... And I'm going to censor myself because I know, like, y'all don't like it when I cuss. But I'm going to use the British cuss word. Uh, you're a wanker if you do harass people online you just need to leave get out of here and the other thing is i don't care too much for the boss fights i feel like they're either too quick or they get too kind of ridiculous like for example like sadler's last form where he turns into a devil may cry boss i did not like that change at all i do want to touch upon one thing that uh, sean said last podcast about like not really like um seeing like leon's trauma and stuff like that for me my interpretation not saying you're wrong i i felt like he did change throughout this game it's kind of it's kind of interesting because for me at the very start of the game he is cold he is distant he's not really doing a whole lot of quips he's really an asshole towards ashley but later on as the game goes through like he is being more friendly towards her to me in my interpretation of it is he's becoming more open towards people and not cold and distant because he doesn't want to lose anybody else he doesn't want to go through that pain and I feel like this isn't a game of him becoming a better person because you can't go through trauma to get better at your previous trauma. I, I don't see, I don't think that how, that's how that works personally. 
but I feel like this is him confronting it. It does make me sad that we never see him actually get better, but I think it does make him more tragic in the fact that he can't get it any better because we've seen him later on in the games. Uh, because especially like uh, during like the Krauser boss fight, when he looks at the knife, to me, it looks like he's looking at his older or younger self, and it makes it even more like sad in a way that like, oh, Leon is absolutely a damaged human being completely through and through and he will never get better but i i, I really liked it uh i i yeah, I mean, yeah play it play it awesome thank you yoke for that call in a really uh again uh, something i don't think we spoke about too much or, or as much as perhaps i would have liked on in the last uh, podcast just about leon's development and obviously he's picked up on what you said in the last podcast Sean and, and thinks that um whilst perhaps Ashley's development is quite is, is a little bit more obvious you know you know she really hesitates doesn't she coming out of the church window you know it's a really slow scene you go oh not sure about this and but by the end she's like I'm gonna become an agent you know it's a, perhaps a bit more mm. obvious but there you know Yoke's, Yoke was of the view that there is that development with Leon and I, Something perhaps I, I, it did slip under my radar a bit. He is quite abrasive, and then you know he 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 does turn a bit supportive towards the end. Now they've um, essentially revised his character, as we've talked about in uh, the remake, and you don't get this outlandish, bonkers superhero variant that you got in the original four. His arc, Leon's arc through this series, is dour. And it starts with him being, like you say, abrasive to Ashley. And he does warm to her. But at the end of the day, he's still a professional with a job to do. And that, that resonates all the way through to the end. And you don't even get like the light moment of Ashley asking about Ada in this game. It, it's just laser focused to get Ashley home. And then after this, he just continues down this downward slope. I mean, whereas Chris kind of goes on to be a hero... And is widely celebrated and obviously has his, his own traumas that he has to face in Resident Evil 6. He then gets straight back on the saddle in 7 and Village. Leon's just in a really bad place. And it's going to be interesting to see what Death Island does with him now. Because last we saw him, he was basically having Chris's arc in Vendetta. And, you know, it, with what Vendetta does, it makes you wonder whether him and Jill are going to maybe share some traumas or something. And And, and in that is where... Hopefully, Death Island will build on the Leon that we've just seen. We we know that they'd like to try and connect in some ways with like Degeneration Damnation, the the current CGI thing with the the game that's about to be released, and it would be maybe interesting to see if there is some sort of correlation in Leon's character with the Resident Evil Four remake just coming out like two or three months prior to Death Island, whether they'll incorporate some of the revised approach to his character that we've seen into his character in Death Island. I'm trying to think. I, I mean, I, 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 like, I liked what they did with Leon. I, I think he, I said it wasn't quite as obvious as what Ashley went through during, uh, d during the experience. And Yoke was clearly quite excited about about this game. He was indeed quite uh, excitable about progress and, um, and, and again, there's, there's, you know, the, the general fun that, that that one can experience in in, in that. Which is great. Which is great, and and I think this has been a general theme throughout all our call-ins. I don't. I, no, not one person has said you know it was boring. And at the end of the day, a video game's got to be fun, isn't it? If it's not a fun video game, it's just not worth playing. And that's the thing. They're just acing in spades. It's like even in Resident Evil Three Remake, for all the the problems that we had, uh, certainly myself and Yoke seemingly as well. I would never turn back. I'd never turn around and say it, it's an awful gameplay experience. You can still have plenty of fun with it. 
and this is what I'm. This is what people. You know, it's not just me that said it. Uh, quite a few people have echoed it on. You know, the call-ins like the, the Capcom at the moment. They are on the top of their game. They're just so effortless with how they just continually achieve this. You know, some developers in their lifetime would wish they could have a Resident Evil 2 remake, just one, in their entire back catalogue, and Capcom have had two in the last four years. And that's that's not to even incorporate any of their prior legacy. They're just ridiculous. I, I don't, you know, I'm, I've been so proud that to say they've been my favourite developer for like 30 years now, because obviously a big Street Fighter fan, as soon as SF2 came on the scene, that was I, I was enamoured to them for the rest of my life. <laughs> and then Resident Evil came along. To see this 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 company continue to thrive in the way they do is is just a joy. That's why I've always stuck with them through through the dark times. <laughs> well, thank you, Yoke. As always, we last last call in now. The last call in. So uh, thank you, everyone. So this the last one comes in from Lee972. Hey guys, Lee972 here, long time listener, first time calling in. Just want to say I love the podcast and the work all you guys do is outstanding. And here are my thoughts on Resident Evil 4 Remake. RE4 Remake is nothing short of a masterpiece. I played the Xbox Series X version and the visuals were stunning. The atmosphere was tense and the combat was probably the best in the series. The game design was great and the game flowed nicely. Not once did I feel bored or fed up. I played my first run on standard and it wasn't a walk in the park. Some 20 hours my first run and I missed a lot of hidden secrets. Mind you, five hours of that was spent in the shooting gallery, which was just incredible. The game is definitely more action-based than the older Resident Evil games, but it has a great survival horror element to it and the action does slow down to allow for more on-the-edge-of-your-seat moments. Being a fan of the franchise for 26 years, but hands down, this is the best Resident Evil in the last two decades. Thanks for playing my call-in and I'll see you around. Bye! Well, thank you, Lee. I saved this one to last just because of his kind of ending comments there. The best Resident Evil game in the last 20 years. Quite quite a, a sterling, stirring way to finish to finish our call-in community special, but um, mm. why not? It's a big, a big call, big shout. Yeah, big shout. It, it's not wrong. And it's I don't agree with it, but it's not wrong because <laughs> because that's that's the great thing of opinion, isn't it? No, and and something that's absolutely has been highlighted through a number of the call-ins today is about you know how people love the game, don't necessarily like it as a Resident Evil game, appreciate its legacy, and but you know perhaps remake Four is going to kind of have a similar sort of thing. It's not it's not everyone's cup of tea. Uh, it's not quite that slow-paced survival horror type game, but it's certainly the pinnacle, I would suggest, of that kind of survival action game that they were obviously going for, which they pioneered back in in the original. So, um... isn't it just fascinating how history repeats itself, though? Mm. How we had Resident Evil Seven, and Resident Evil Seven was the game that, and I know there'll be so many people disagreeing with me, but it was the game that I think we many of us acknowledge as taking the series back to what made made the original a classic. You know, skulking around an old house with themed keys and save rooms and item boxes and stuff like that. You might not like the Chainsaw Massacre aesthetic and things, but the fundamentals in terms of gameplay were there. Yeah. Even had, like the ECG on your arm, it was you know it was there. And then, right, you know, Resident Evil Two built on that, and in this case, the remake of Resident Evil Two built on that, whilst also having a slightly a slight lean into sort of more action based. You know, because it does have slightly more outlandish set pieces, and then Resident Evil Three comes along, and Resident Evil, th- the original Resident Evil Three, was more action packed to what the previous twos were, and then we're on to, to Resident Evil Four, and that you know changed up everything again. And it's just, I just find it fascinating how we've kind of followed the same beats 
the same beat, it's the same trajectory. So now it just really does lead, you know, ask the question, where does the remake timeline go now? Yeah, going into Resident Evil 5, we're just going to get... We're just going to get more chaos, more action, and we're moving further away from that Resident Evil 7 template that so many of us were enamoured with. Absolutely. And, you know, do we really want to be back in the position we were in 2012 with Resident Evil 6 not being even closely resembling the, the core of the, of the series, at least in my opinion? So, um, it's interesting, as I said, interesting comments. And as always with these community call-ins, we, you know, we have such a wide you know, range of, you know, people listening with different opinions on all, all sorts. But, I mean, it, it's quite clear that the consensus amongst, our, you know, our small little uh, contingent is, you know, one of universal praise for this this game. There's a lot of love here, isn't there, for what Capcom have done with this. Uh, a game that a lot of people were very hesitant, and might include myself in this, about this game doesn't need to be remade. And yet, when we've got that product, you've got that disc in your console, or however you're playing, you're going... Yeah, it's all right, isn't it? It's all right, and and you know a lot of people, you know, said that a smile on their faces, and absolutely, I, I, you know, I think it improves the original in 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 many ways, and um, I think that seems to be reflected in a lot of our callings today. So th- that's that's been that's been encouraging. Well, in terms, I mean, let me just fire it at you, Nick, then, because obviously you're someone who has never really never really held the original in any time any type of pedestal. And forgive me if I'm wrong, but you're not as dedicated a gamer as such in all these silly third-person shooting games and whatnot as as some of us are. So do you prefer it to the original then, would you say? If you had to crunch it, if you had to pick, like if someone held a gun to your head and said you've got to pick one of these games and the other one is erased from existence, you know, which would you choose? Um, You're not enamoured to the original, like maybe like the likes of me and Rob are, for example, for its legacy and whatnot. I think I think remake four is a lot more fun, even though I struggled at times with it. I think I didn't get as bored with it, and although it took a while, as I said, it took until the castle. I think I just got a lot more, a lot more, as you said, enamoured with with the title and what was what was going on. For me, remake four wasn't as well paced as perhaps I thought the reviewers thought it was. But that was again only coming from it from the survival horror point of view, and not a general game. I don't play anything in the same in similar genre, so things like Gears of War, things like that. So Mm, I I can yeah, yeah, I can only compare it to you know uh, you know other Resident Evil games, and then you know what I'm personally enjoying. So the same way I think when we did our Operation Raccoon City review. I could only compare. Well, I can't compare anything. So it's only whether I enjoyed what I'm playing at that particular point. Uh, you know, it, it could be the best squad-based shooter of all time. It could be the worst. Which is, you know, well, you know, I, I don't play Sockham or whatever. You know, so I, I, I don't know. So I think I think with Remake Four, it's closer to something I personally enjoy because I could implement stealth elements. So I think, in answer to your question, I would probably pick Remake Four wow. over oh. in, at least at least in terms of gameplay. Although I I am tempted to replay the original four after all these call-ins, uh, certainly the yeah, cer- right. cer- no, yeah cer- 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 certainly the Wii edition. I might give that a- another bash uh, <laughs> if, if I can get you because that has always been considered to be the better version of Remake Four with the aiming. But I'm also tempted because I've not played the original on GameCube since its release. I'm not sure. I'm not sure how that will go. I'm really not sure how that would go, but I'm te- I'm tempted to have another, you know, have another bash of the game. But there we go. That, that, that's got that's that's a praise. But as I said, these aren't my type favorite type of games. I prefer the the slower pace, and I think 
Remake 4 did enough. Well, did, had some elements I enjoyed. I still think Village is better overall in terms of my level, uh, in terms of where I think it was. I think I said Village was right on the tip of, for me in terms of action versus survival horror, and Remake 4 was on the. I'm falling down the cliff. But I'm, a, I, I, but I'm clinging on, yeah. I'm clinging on. It, it's when Chris's boulder knocks me down in re, remake five in RE five. That's it. I'm down. I'm dead. And then six, I'm just being buried under a sea of awfulness. So uh, I'm, I'm clinging on the other side of the mountain with remake four. But at least I'm still. At least I'm still holding on. No, so. that's that's fascinating answer. I think you're probably mm, one, one of the few. Uh, <laughs> and with our little community that would would probably favor the remake over the og uh, so that's fascinating thank you i would have preferred a 3.5 remake but that's uh, <laughs> that's neither here nor there um Which there we go the 3.5 oh <laughs> 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 that does kind of finish it i want to thank everyone who has actually called in as always with these podcasts you know we're up to up to you guys and thankfully the quality of the call-ins remain consistently high and always bringing up lots of different points and you know things we haven't you know spoken about before gives us the opportunity just to you know touch on some areas we missed or you know you know neglecting things we didn't even touch upon so it's been really good and just interesting that there's this universal praise for the game it's nice to listen to isn't it nice to listen to so uh, thank you to everyone who's called in but that does finish part two of our Remake 4 coverage. Uh, we now turn our attention to Neptune's Biohazard Quiz. Do you know your G-Virus from your C-Virus? And your Jabberwock from your Bandersnatch? Or perhaps the number of bombs that appear on the Made in Heaven vest? Right. That's a fucking question, is that? I'm getting a big fat zero this week. Yeah, I'm not going to get any of these. We've talked about the games straying too far from the origins. This Resident Evil quiz. We're now getting Spice Girls as the correct answer. I mean, it's time to quit. This is Neptune Biohazard Quiz. Welcome back. Just a, uh, a relatively quick quiz. It's not entirely Remake 4 themed this time, so be pleased to know. So that's Is good. there any so... questions about phone manufacturers this time? No, no, no. no, no we're, all g- <laughs> we're all good. We've got an eclectic mix, so if you can clear your desktops, you can open up Notepad. Here we go. Question number one. Who is the chief of staff for the president in Infinite Darkness? Question number two. Timeline question. Oh, yes. The photograph of Lewis and his grandfather was taken in which year? We've spoken about Lewis's grandfather earlier on today. So what year was that photograph taken? Question number three. Resident Evil 6 question. Oh, fuck. 
Oh shit, that's the answer. <laughs> <laughs> Nick, is it Resident Evil Six? <laughs> Question number three. <laughs> which which zombie variant can't spread the virus through bites? <laughs> Fuck's sake. Is that a creature from Resident Evil Six? Which zombie variant? Yes, can't spread the virus through the virus. <laughs> Fuck's sake. Oh, it's getting late. It's getting late. Uh, question at number four. In Resident Evil Zero, what is the entry code in the notice to all staff memo? I threw that in for George because he loves his zero. Uh, question number five. A question from uh, Rigatoni Weston. Who serves as Salazar's right hand in Remake 4? There's a name. There's a couple of names I've got for mm. this one. Mm. So there are the five questions. Let's see how well everyone has done. <laughs> I think you should all get at least one. Who is the chief of staff for the president in Infinite Darkness? Batman. Uh, I believe it's Ryan. Ryan. Star Siren. I had no idea. Pass. No idea. Rombie. Uh, Ryan. George Trevor. Uh, oh, crikey. No idea. That's incorrect. It is Ryan. So... Points there to Batman and Rombie. Is, is Ryan a first name or a last name? or It's just Ryan. <laughs> it's like Ryan. No, it's Jack yeah. Ryan. <laughs> it's Kiefer. No, it's Ryan, it's Ryan Jack. <laughs> there we go. So question number two was the photograph of Lewis and his grandfather was taken in which year? Star Siren, did you know? No, uh, I'll guess 1996. 1996. Rombie, did you know? I couldn't remember. I'm just guessing 1992. George Trevor, did you know? No, sorry, no. Any guess? You might as well have a guess. 1980, sorry. I don't know. 1980. Batman? 1981. Correct. Correct. It is 1981. Look look how Batman just absorbs timeline questions. The game's only been out a couple of weeks. (laughs) He's taking notes. He's taking notes. He just plugs himself into the game. Feed me lore. Feed me timeline dates. I love it. I love it. What can I say? Very good. Well done, John. Right. Question number three. Hmm. Which zombie variant can't spread the virus through its bites? Rombie, did you know this one? Is it a C-virus zombie? It could be. Batman, did you know this one? I think it is a C-virus zombie. Does that? Did you know? Um, I, I, I don't, and I've been wrecking my head for the last five minutes over it, and and it's just uh, some. I'm just gonna go for a anger total guess. Is it a C virus zombie? <laughs> <laughs> George Trevor, did you know? A C virus zombie, then. C virus zombie is correct. Yes, well done, everyone. <laughs> well done. Point two. How uh, amazing how you all got that one. Brilliant. Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> Question number four: In Resident Evil Zero, what Ooh. is the what is the entry code that yes. is in the notice to all staff memo? Oh, oh that's easy. That's it's it's the time on the clock. Uh, eight fifteen, eight one five, eight one five. Batman. Yep, I got eight one five. Star Stone. I totally couldn't remember. So, um, C virus zombie. <laughs> 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 oh. Thank you, Rombie. Did you know? 8.15. 8.15. It is 8.15. So very good. Very good. 
And finally, question number five was from Rigatoni Weston. Who serves as Salazar's right hand in Remake 4? There's a couple, of, there's a couple of names there. A couple of names. Start, I, think, I, I honestly don't know. I know they are named in, in a few files, but I, that, they're not in, the, not in my head. I'm, I apologise. Not in your head. Rombi, did you know? No, I remember the files. I cannot remember the name. I've drawn a blank. George Trevor? Oh, no, I thought I had this right. I was on the wrong track because I thought he just refers to the Vidugu as, as his right hand. We read his file, don't we, that then becomes the first one, I think. But no, I was going to say Vidugu, but no. Batman, did you know? I can only remember his first name, which is a C-draw, but his surname begins with U because that's what the U series of bioweapons is named after, but I honestly can't remember what it is. It's, yeah. it's a C-draw, U, something, something. Yes, uh, it's... Correct. Yeah. So it's like a. It's kind of like U three, kind of the way it's kind of. Yes. Or it's Pasanta. Pasanta is the housekeeper. She's the. She becomes the first Verdugo, and then yep. the butler becomes the second one. That's right. Yeah. Pasanta or U three. I say U three. It's like, yeah. Or U three, aka the housekeeper. So that's what we were looking for. That's from the the Chronicles of uh, Chronicles of Pursuit two file. So there you go. If you want to check that out. Very good. So let's have a look at. So I was going to give Batman... No, I'm not going to give you that. So, you're, you're, you're close, John. What do you think? I'm going to let well, you decide. I decide? Well, yeah, clearly I got it right. <laughs> <laughs> Just give him half a point and be done with it, Nick. Fuck's sake. Yeah, no. <laughs> you can have half. Steve Virus Zombie. <laughs> That would be amazing if after after the end of every quiz you just go, oh, Rob, what score did you give yourself then? <laughs> I got seven out of five. <laughs> I got seven of them. This week's winner, everybody, is Rob. <laughs> I was like, because Rob, he got half because of the U. Oh, yeah, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. Right. It, it makes no difference because our winner at this podcast is, of course, Batman with... 4.5 out of 5. So, uh, well done, John. A, a very a very good score. Thank you very much. There you go. In you give yourself 4.5 out of 5? <laughs> <laughs> In second place, uh, respectable 3 out of 5 is Rombi. Uh, next is George, somehow, with 2 out of 5. And then... We're doing 1 without your C-virus uh, shenanigans. Stars with uh, just the 1 out of 5. Yes, thank you. Yes, very good. So congratulations, Batman. Join us next time when we'll have some more questions. Uh, So we are rapidly approaching the end of the podcast. Coming up next, as we've uh, teased throughout the last two podcasts, will be our final look at Remake 4. This time's going to be a bit more lore-focused, so we're going to look at some of the changes that they've made, how it all fits in with the timeline, and probably a big discussion on the continuity of these remakes. We have a bit more context now, seemingly, about you know where these remakes fit in terms of the timeline, if they do at all. So we're going to have a deep dive into that particular aspect, as uh, some of the call-ins have said, uh, a lot of people are looking forward to us examining where we are, the state of the franchise, something we, we seemingly do a lot, quite a lot now, but that's going to be um, something to look forward to uh, in, in the near future. So I'd like to thank again everyone for calling in. You, we can't do this particular podcast without you, so thank you very much. It's goodbye from me, Neptune. Goodbye from me, Batman. Goodbye from me, Stars Tyrant. Goodbye from me, George Trevor. And goodbye from me, Rumbi. I fought a war and 
Then you hear a voice inside you say 